What's up, Sifters? It's Game Face episode one, one, one. Eee. Think we'll ever make it to like two, two, two? That's kind of up to you. <laughs> isn't a it? long ways away. <laughs> this might be the only time we have a show with this uh, nomenclature. We're gonna have to do with all of everything we've done again. Right. <laughs> You're right. That's pretty crazy to think about. That's a long ways away. Yeah. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But here we are with one, one, one. Uh, it's been a very slow week in games. Yeah. I mean, everything's winding down now. And, and most of it's just been a continuation of what was already happening. Yeah. And in fact, this is one of the last three episodes of Game Face for 2017. There's today. We have a regular show next week. And then after that, we'll do our Game of the Year, uh, I believe on like the 15th or something like yeah. that. And then we'll be getting out of here for the holidays. So uh, not much time left in 2017. It's been an amazing year. Uh, we'll look back on everything in our Game of the Year episode and have some fun with it. But we got stuff to get down to right now. But before we get going... I want to talk when about are the game awards. What'd you say? When are the game awards? Uh, next Thursday. Okay. Yeah. So we'll have a we'll, we'll have a good show okay. next week. Yeah, because it, it looks like there's going to be tons of reveals. I've been digging around the website because we had I had to work to get the show together today, so I had to really start digging around. And I started looking at all these old stories of this game's about to be shown, this game's about to be shown, mm -hmm. and I realized like Rocksteady's game is about to be shown, Death Stranding, the first gameplay is about to be shown. So either we're going to get that at the Game Awards, or we're going to get it at PSX shortly after that. So, big stuff is coming. Our, I think our last ep regular episode of the year is going to be a doozy. I think it's going to be really good. So, stay tuned for that next week. Before we get going, I want to talk about something that happened to me this week, though, and I've, I've, you and I texted back and forth about this. So, mm. I have been banned from Polygon. Your personal account. My thing, personal right? account has been banned from Polygon. I have, uh, and obviously I have to go there all the time just for curating and stuff like that for Sifted, but I honestly have ever posted, I think, two or three comments on that website ever. And uh, last week, they posted an editorial that was written by Ben Kuchera that was, Nintendo is doing the bare minimum. And I had published Gype the week before with that same exact point, that uh, Nintendo does the bare minimum and gets away with it and it works and, and that type of thing. He basically wrote the same exact editorial a week later. And, like, I just want to say right now, I don't think that he saw Guyf and stole the idea or anything like that. It's possible, but I don't think that that's the case. Um, I think Kuchera thinks too highly of his own brain to take ideas from anybody else. It's possible. I don't think that there was anything <laughs> evil going on, but I, I did post in the comments. I said, hey, I talked about this last week on Guyf. Great minds think alike, dot, 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 I hope. And then I put a link to the episode of Guyf with the exact time code so people could go straight to that topic where I discuss it. And they banned me for that. Hmm. For spam. Hmm. So the, I, the guy spam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got to say that this is the first website in my entire life I have ever been banned from. Ever. Not even Gaff. Never. I've never been banned from any website. Because I don't go on websites and act like a fool. Um, so I don't know what was going on there. I don't know if they're mods, if they just have a zero tolerance policy for posting links, which seems insane. It's not... not entirely i mean it's I possible it's possible i don't know anything about polygons comment stuff because i try not to look at them yeah but like <laughs> it's uh i mean it wouldn't surprise me i mean it might just be an auto thing i hope like, that's it a lot of it's just like you know a lot of links you see in comments are just bots posting you know i can't believe i make this much doing nothing right, every right. day and they post go, a link know, yeah. go here yeah it's possible and i hope that that's the case i hope it's either automated or they just have zero tolerance for posting links which seems insane to me by the way i don't know if that is mm. I mean, we would it's never... It's an inelegant solution to the spam bot thing, but it yeah. is something some it is sites use. 
So anyway, I'm banned from Polygon. I am cut off. And when you get banned from Polygon, this thing pops up when you go to Polygon where you have to accept that you were banned or, <laughs> or you cannot use the website. Or you have to like, you can't log out either because it won't let you, it like deactivates the page and you have to go up to, yeah. you, you can't even log out and like create a new login. You have to accept, yes, I have been banned before it'll let you continue you on sit in the virtual corner. as a customer who, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, banned from Polygon, Shane Satterfield. So let's get on with the show. We're going to talk first about a game we've talked about countless times. We're going to probably talk about countless more times because it is a game as a service. We're going to talk about yet another controversy with a game as a service, uh, and this is with Destiny 2, Matt. So, I've only vaguely seen this unfold in, on, on my SIFT. I haven't paid a lot of attention to the specifics. Yeah, so... Maybe that, you need to explain it. So, then. what Bungie's been doing the last week and a half, two weeks, is getting ready for Curse of Osiris, the mm -hmm. DLC that's coming out. And it's been doing live streams. It did one, it showed off the gameplay and some maps, and it's kind of went through this series of stuff. Well, this has gotten so out of got so out of control that Bungie canceled the stream this week for Curse of Osiris to answer fan concerns. Mm -hmm. And uh, essentially, what's happened is people have discovered that Destiny Two is was maybe it still is. They haven't fixed it yet. Was set up so that if you were a power leveler, it would cut down on the XP that you earned. Mm -hmm. Were you aware of that playing the game? If well, because because as I understand, they would cut down on what they gave you, but it would still say you were getting the full amount on the screen. And I sure as hell felt like I was getting more XP than was being reflected in my bar a few times. You were. So that explains. So I'm guessing that. you also probably would fall into the category of power level, or when you uh, play at the time, I was yeah. For the first three weeks or so, I was really grinding hard to get to the get to the raid level in the yeah. post game. And, and was, I think a lot of people a couple times I'd be like, oh, I only have that much left and I get that much of that. I was like, that seems like that should have been enough, but it wasn't. And yeah. like, that happened a few times. And uh, so somebody figured I was, it out. I just thought I was crazy, basically. Well, someone finally took the time to actually do the math and figure it out. And in mm. fact, and then Bungie admitted, yes, that is the <sighs> case. Here's the thing, man. Like, how do developers and publishers ever think they're going to get away with this shit ever? Like, someone always figures... Especially someone the, figure especially it the out. online stuff. Like, yeah. people will figure that stuff out. If you got someone doing something a thousand times per week, they're going to notice something's odd. Especially with a game like this. A game as a service yeah. that people will play for, like... Eight, over and over and over and, and over. for a year or two years. Like, to think that you could pull the wool over someone's eyes and get away with it for more than a month or two, which... Obviously, ended up not being the case. They didn't Especially make it in the far. climate we're in right now with EA and all this, it's, it feels like it, at the very least you see that kind of reaction happening, and maybe you quietly turn the knob back up. Exactly. To the, like, like with your next patch, you right. just flip it. You're like, whoo, boy, Ooh, we avoided that one. Wow. Nope. But I mean, part of it might be because the studio is completely focused on DLC, yeah. on Curse of Osiris coming out, and maybe it just kind of slipped its mind or it just wasn't paying close enough attention to what was really going on out there, but. Holy cow, man. And so obviously the next logical step that gamers jump to, and I don't blame them for this at all, is they're like, oh, you were doing this so that people will pay money to level faster so the grind isn't as bad. And that is probably the rub with games as a service that is consistent with all of them. And that's the slippery slope that they have to manage is how much grind is there. I don't, how would that work in Destiny, though? What do you mean? Paying real money for that. Because the real money stuff doesn't have anything to do with progression. I don't know. That's just what the gamers have said. That well, it I think the gamers might be out of their tree on that one. Because the only thing you pay real money for, as far as I'm aware, unless they change it since I stopped playing regularly... Was Which the, is possible. ...was the bright engrams, and those only give you cosmetic things. Right. Yeah, I mean, I thought when I, when I played Destiny 2 it, for review and everything, I felt like it was not 
especially bad as far as how it handled microtransactions. Yeah, they're, they're, they're nice to haves. They're not, I need this to progress things. I mean, the bigger point, though, is that it's... It's still annoying. Right, because you're punishing your most dedicated players. It should be the opposite. You should be rewarding the people who love your game so that they keep coming back Mm -hmm. and they turn into evangelists for the game. Yeah, this doesn't seem like a ploy to get you to spend money to progress. It seems like a ploy to keep keep you playing until they can get more money out of you for expansion stuff. DLC stuff. Yeah. Which... Again, I mean, it's it's, it's in the, there to make more the money. Side of the coin, really. You know. <laughs> At the end of the day, but at least they want to give you content in this case. Right, but, right. Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. Why has everyone got to be so sleazy? Why do they, man? <laughs> like, I mean, that's really what—that's a good way to describe it. The industry has got really sleazy. At least at that level, at yeah. that top triple A level. I mean, I feel like there used to be Not like to go Jim Sterling on you, man. right, right, but. but I feel like there used to be this level of honesty and trust that used to be in the industry. And I would argue that that was back when Japanese games were more prevalent and were the dominant sort. They were sort of the dominant territory where games were coming Mm -hmm. from. And since things have kind of switched over to the West, it's just slowly kind of eroded away. Yeah, I don't know if it's because of the switch to the West or because of the... um... A lot of the Western developers and publishers have gotten a taste of that mobile game cash. Yeah, and but just, Japan's known that for a long time. Yeah, but like there's there's more of a separation between the companies that do that in most cases, and I think you see this sort of, especially in the in the. I mean, there is a Western element there where it's like the climate of kind of the venture capital Silicon Valley thing going on, the startup idea, where like any whatever you need to do to make it successful, that's what you do. Like that's yeah. sort of just how it, how like the ethos of that kind of thing. And, like, you can see these top-level publishers sort of getting to this point where, like, okay, well, let's find a way to apply this crazy free money idea that works in the, on the phones to the stuff that we spent $200 million to make. And, you know, but, like, the problem with that model is the model is designed to be exploitative in the sense of, like, you get, you know, you, you sell. It's the razor model. It's, like, you yeah. sell, you, you give, you practically give the handle away, and then you can get, make money selling the blades. The cartridges, yeah. But now they're trying to sell you a $60 handle, and then they want to sell you a box that might have a blade in it. Right. <laughs> or one of the blades might be or sharp. maybe it's a sponge. You <laughs> need a sponge, too, used. right? Yeah. <laughs> but if you notice, I mean... Not many Japanese games have loot boxes and microtransactions like this. The ones that do are generally the ones that are published in the West by a publisher like Bethesda. No, tons of the Asian stuff has, has that. I mean, that con- like console games? Not console games, but like the, the well, the mobile stuff does. I mean, well, they started but also the free to play. I mean, that's the thing is like you know a lot of the the microtransaction stuff like stems from like Korean MMOs. No, for sure. Which all sell, but it's all costumes. Like that that was the kind of the conundrum early on was like. Western gamers don't seem to care about costumes and stuff like like, like in Asia they, like you can sell that stuff like crazy and like yeah. certain games yeah I mean like you know people want costumes in Overwatch or whatever like that. but in general like the publishers here struggle to sell us um, you know aesthetic items and so the idea became like oh we'll just we'll make it like weapon and then I was like no you can't do that so there's this tension between them trying to like make the money. They're trying to make money off of microtransactions, but like the microtransaction model from Asia doesn't really work in the West because we don't we don't want to pay for non-essential stuff. But if you make essential stuff for pay, we get angry. So yeah, like yeah. There, there's sort of a there's sort of a loggerhead here where I don't I don't think the publishers know which way to go, and you're sort of seeing, you know, some comp- some publishers handle it better. I think Warner Brothers 
makes it fairly unobtrusive, even if it you know does create the grind in the final act of Shadow War or whatever. Like you, you can get a fair number of these things. Meanwhile, I think EA seems to do it the worst, yeah. where they are actually impacting the flow of the game in the name of encouraging you to buy these boxes or buy these microtransactions. I was talking more about the Japanese games that we cover and our audience cares about, which are mm-hmm. like the big console or maybe handheld uh, Japanese games. They do microtransactions, obviously, just like oh, yeah. like Dead or Alive Five last round. Also, just, I mean, but they don't calculate I've never how much loot boxes. A Japanese game? No, I think loot boxes are too new in terms of like console level stuff. Because um, remember, like the Japanese stuff did kind of even lag behind in terms of the season pass you know, did, DLC yeah. stuff. I mean, we're only just now seeing Nintendo kind of embrace that model mm-hmm. over the last few years. And if you Man, really... by the way, it does it way better than pretty much everyone else. I don't know if it does it way better, but no one complains about it. Yeah, uh, because... I think it handles it pretty well. I think it handles it uh, in a fairly standard model, and no one complains because it's Nintendo. Um, because if you calculate how much money you have to spend to get all the DLC for High Rule Warriors or Fire Emblem Warriors, or even some of the, rec- the recent Fire Emblem games, ma- nah. But like, they that's, also that's huge, huge. They put out a lot of content. There is a lot of too. content in there, but also like it's it's still the same. Th- you're not getting the whole game yeah. for what you for the sixty dollar price tag. Uh, I don't know why that's okay when they do it and not okay when everyone else does it. Um, I mean, Zelda's got a season pass right now, yeah. and like you could. Shouldn't ar- we be getting the single player Zelda stuff soon? Should be, but I, I've heard that the Game Awards might be the sort of the coming out, out the coming out for the, the final Zelda DLC. But also the other thing about the Zelda DLC is like the, the first, you know, not the first thing that came out, and the second thing that came out a little with all the a lot of that stuff was quality of life stuff that should have been in the base game. Oh, for sure, and like agreed, yeah. No one goes after them for that. Well, I don't think anyone's going to so. complain about getting Breath of the Wild earlier and then getting that stuff later. Because people just want to play Zelda. Mm-hmm. But, like, no one accused them of cutting out the map nicely. No, you're right. <laughs> to save them to sell the expansion pass later, yeah, yeah. did they? Yeah. Because there's this weird sense that, you know, like you just said, like, the Japanese companies are honest with us and the American companies well, want to steal I would say, honest. say more honest. Yeah, but it's like, I, I, I just feel like you're just on you're just at different stages with those you know the two sides of the pacific so really. you think japan's going to get to where the west is now i think they will eventually. but the bottom line is unless, it came from the west unless they take <laughs> the lessons from how the western publishers are being revolted against uh in the in, in like you know nintendo is smart enough to look at that and be like yeah let's not do that let's let's not put random hat loot boxes in the next mario game that's yeah. probably not a great move I think another problem that's intrinsic to video games is it's very easy to hide stuff like Bungie did. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, someone eventually found it, and it makes sense that they found it within a month or two. Right. But still, there was a month was or two month where or nobody two. picked it. That was a long time. I that's mean, a long time in game time. Yeah. I mean, you think about the billions of hours that that game has mm-hmm. been played. It took before someone noticed this. That's the problem. It's like all this stuff can be hidden under the hood. It's never mm-hmm. like obvious and in your face, with the exception of loot boxes and things right. like that. Well, I think it's coming it's very down, easy to hide stuff in code. I think it's going to come down to a, a demand for transparency. Um, and I wouldn't have necessarily extended it to what kind of XP level. I mean, you think that what the number appears on the screen is accurate to what yeah, you're yeah. getting. I mean, that seems pretty obvious. You just assume, like, yeah. But it's like it's weird how this has been sort of. You know, I think that ties in with a loot box thing to some degree, where it's like I'm not a proponent of them being regulated as gambling, but I do think there should be a requirement to mark a game, you know, either ESRB rating or whatever else you want to make it. You should be able to look at the package and see that they're on there. And they should do the Chinese, the, the thing that China does, where you have to show the percentages, right? Um, to know. It'll, I think it'll eventually. Yeah, I think they'll here. get there. I think yeah. it will get there. Uh, EA is definitely the canary in that coal mine. Um, 
<laughs> I just, I the Battlefront Two thing cracks me up just because I can't believe they thought they'd get away with all that. It's we'll amazing. get to, we'll get to all that a yeah. little later, but uh... but it's just it's it's this feels like part of that same sort of. I I mean it's not like necessarily the same thing, but it feels like like part of part and parcel of the whole like the AAA publishers want to kind of pull the wool over everybody's eyes to like you know the name of it of, an, of a, a little extra customer retention, a little extra microtransaction money, a little couple more sales, a little more you know hang on to that you know it's like I mean they've been trying to do that for years like you know where the that was the whole point of all that multiplayer stuff and putting. XP levels, leveling systems in the Call of Duty levels, like, so you wouldn't sell, you wouldn't get tired of the multiplayer and you wouldn't sell the game. I mean, it's it's that treadmill Skinner box thing where it's it like, is. oh, every time you level up, you get cool new perks and stuff, so I'm going to hold on to this game. It's like, well, if you, well, maybe I should sell the trade, turn this game in, maybe I should turn Call of Duty Modern Warfare in and get it. Well, I don't want to do that because I'm like level 35 and I have put all this time into it, so I'll just keep playing that. Like, that's the whole idea. They've been trying to kind of psychologically manipulate us to play their game and not anything else for years now. And it's starting to get, I think, a little more insidious. Yeah. But... I think I think what bothers me the most about this specific case is that it appears it was Bungie's decision to do this. Yeah, someone knew where that slider was. This wasn't Activision being evil overlords and going mm -hmm. to Bungie and saying, hey, you need to tweak it so people aren't getting the XP that they really earned. And it's like, it's so weird, because it wasn't everything, was it? It was like the public events and stuff were affected, but like the like the, the raid stuff wasn't, and the, the I think the, the multiplayer stuff wasn't. It was like, it, they were intentionally trying to funnel you without telling you towards like different types of events. It's like, if you prefer to do the public event things, you were getting screwed. And it's like, why are they internally prioritizing one type of gameplay event over the others? And maybe that's just me talking because I like the public events. Right. I like doing I that. do too, yeah. Um, and it's like, I like to stop and just do that. And it's like, why maybe are you not making that like... worth my while? Like, intent It's so weird. Well, they have the data. Right. So maybe they've looked at it and said, this is where people are people generating. This, all the time. Yeah. this is where people are generating most of the XP from. If we can cut back on that and we don't cut it somewhere else, maybe if somebody discovers we're doing this, they'll try to watch it somewhere else and they'll think, oh, I'm wrong. Mm. I was I wasn't right. Like I thought they were jipping me on my XP, but it turns out that they really weren't. I just don't get where that where like the end game is there. Because like if you're not going to tell anyone you're they're getting less, how are they going to know? Because like, I was doing the public events things like a lot of grinding with that, and yeah. like I just was assuming I wasn't calculating what the what the experience bar was properly. Right. You know, yeah. and like it didn't stop me from playing public events. Yeah. I still did the same thing. It's, I don't know what their end game was on Well, that. it doesn't make any sense if you look at it from this angle as well, is I can't even play the raid still. Mm -hmm. Like We ran into this during the uh, marathon stream I did on Monday for the Patreon. I wanted to play like those events that are in Assassin's Creed Origins, where you fight like the bosses or whatever. Like I boot up the game, and it's a big alert comes up. Hey, oh, yeah. the trials, these, trials, the trials are yeah. yeah. Like there's a new one, and I go, yeah, that's awesome. Like I'll play this for the stream. It's perfect. Nope, had to be level forty. Same thing. Ha I mean, I mean, you know how long I've been playing that game, and I'm I still can't play those trials. Yeah, it's insane. I'm like, like level thirty five still. I don't get it. And Why a couple are... levels make a big difference in that game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, obviously, with like with any game, once you start getting into the higher levels, each level yeah. is. But Origin, tough. Origins has a level gating obsession yeah uh, which i think well, you, apparently you, so does destiny yeah. too well i mean th that's the whole point is like you grind your way up. i mean i think i'm like i'm still not like power leveled enough to 
to get to, to I think to comfortably do the raid. I think I could if I was with people that could. Like, I think I'm like 277 or 278, and like 280. Well, I think 280 is like I mean, they you, said like baseline. you can do it like at 270, but like 280 is sort of like preferred. You're not going to die every kind of five thing. seconds. Like yeah. your team isn't going to have to take care of you right. basically. Yeah, and it's just like you know, it's just that constant like turning in, hoping that Engram is one more thing higher. And it's like, why do they make it harder to get there? It's crazy. You think you well, want players to experience your content? That well, you're I mean, that on. was a question I had about the first one too, where it's like, it's like you put the grind of MMOs into this. But no one likes that. Yeah, like, that's, that's the thing they don't like. That's not the element of MMOs you should be bringing over <laughs> yeah. to, to encourage people to, to play. And like, I would love to try that raid, but there's no way in hell I'm going to spend like 20 or 30 hours just grinding through the same enemies well, it doesn't to get ta- there. It doesn't take that long. I'm exaggerating. It's like, it, it, I, mean, it took, I, I had a plan for what Engrams to turn in and all the rep stuff to do. It took me like two nights to get from whatever I was after the end of the, the story. Campaign. To like 270. But who does that though? Who's like goes Near and as I can maximizes tell, their plan and like really? Anyone trying to play the, that endgame con- I mean that's what the end game of an MMO is. Yeah. Is doing that. I just think I think that's you can just play it and eventually get there. Not really, because you gotta make sure you're you know, cause because the loot that drops is is related to what you know power level right. you've already got. So like yeah. I'm using weapons that I don't like because they're the highest power weapons right. I have because I want that one number higher thing to right, drop right. and I'm desperately hoping I get a better exotic later because I'm stuck with a hand cannon I hate hand cannons and but like that's what I got to use because it's like 20 higher than anything else I got yeah and like you know you're at the mercy of whatever drops and has the purple mod on it is is, is sort of how it works it's crazy where video games have gone just in the last like three years mm-hmm. like if you had talked to me when I was starting sifted about stuff like this I'd have been like what no way <laughs> like and here we are just a few years later, everything is kind of flipped upside down and turned on its head. It's And it's not going to stop. Like, this is going to be something that's going to be discussed for the next year, probably three years to come, mm-hmm. until we kind of finally reach that happy medium. So well, there's one thing for sure. I, I hope Bungie will not touch their sliders for a while. Yeah, I don't like, think they will. Clearly, people are watching. They will definitely be watching now. And when you think yeah. about the amount of people that are playing, now that the community's been alerted to this, Mm-hmm. A lot more eyeballs are going to be watching. So yeah. Bungie, at this point, there's no way they could turn yeah, that Yeah, they can back. never mess with that again, really. Thank God for us, the yeah. gamers. Because <laughs> otherwise, we just get manipulated all at the ver- day At the very least, if you're going to do that, reflect it in the UI. Yeah. Like, you're not going to give me 50 XP instead of 100? Just say 50. Yeah. And then we can get mad about how you drop the XP, but at least you're not lying to me. Yep. <laughs> all right, let's move on to our next topic. We're going to discuss... The brand new Super Mario cereal, it was rumored for three or four days. Yesterday, Nintendo put out its official press release saying, yes, it is coming. Super Mario cereal, which isn't a big deal. Actually, like right now, Honeycombs has mm-hmm. Mario. I'm a big cereal guy, by the way. Well, I, mean, I consider is, myself a cereal connoisseur. This is not even the first Nintendo cereal. No, oh, I know, yeah. The Nintendo cereal system, when yeah. we were kids, yeah. you get the Zelda one and you get the Mario one. They also, by the way, they ruined Honeycombs. One of my favorite Did cereals they? in the world. They changed Honeycomb, put Mario on the box, and it tastes disgusting. I don't know if anyone else has eaten the new Honeycomb. No, he is a so plumber. It tastes like the Honeycombs went through the sewage before <laughs> they put them in the box. But uh, the thing I wanted to talk about really about this, other than it's kind of cool to have Mario cereal on the shelves again, is that the box is an amiibo. Mm-hmm. And it unlocks stuff. a little stuff. thing in it. Yeah. yeah. Which to me... Shows you what that amiibo are like nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're really nothing. They're it's just a, it's a strip of circuitry. Yeah, yeah. 
and we pay all this money for these little figurines when really all it is is just this yeah. little. Well, I mean, they sold those amiibo cards for right. Animal Crossing. That's, right. that's all they are. That's all it is. I mean, the money that an amiibo costs the money it does because of the molding and the plastic and the sculpting and the fact. I mean, I, I'm a big toys to like. I collected the Skylander stuff and then I got sick of it and got rid of them. I collected the Disney Infinity stuff and then they shut it down. And I got rid of them. I collected the Lego stuff. Um, by far, at this point anyway, I mean, they started rough, but at this point, Amiibos have by far the best paint jobs of any of those lines ever did. Yeah. Um, a lot of intricate detail, a lot of careful. I've never, I haven't seen in a couple years an, an Amiibo with an eyeball going the wrong way, right. you know, that kind of thing. Um, whereas, like, with Star Wars figures, like, every other figure is looking two different directions at once. Like, that's, that's a quality control level that, like, yeah, that's going to add a buck or two to the cost of the figure. Um, but yeah, they could sell them as just little pog discs, and you'd be—I mean, that is the, like what most a lot of people do. Like that, you can get like a little RF thing and load up every amiibo. You know, it's basically amiibo piracy. You can load up every amiibo profile. Really, on, I wasn't aware of that. Like from BitTorrent or something, and you download whatever you want, whatever one you want, into the little disc, and you put it on the thing. There you go. That's, that's how people. That's a lot. That's how like. The shadier people do the amiibo thing. <laughs> Although for a while there, it was kind of like, well, if you can't buy them, because you know, I, here's one thing I did notice uh, this week: uh, they have seemed to have gotten better at amiibo distribution because all the new stuff, the Mario Odyssey stuff, the Fire Emblem stuff, the new Zelda stuff, um, they're everywhere. Like you can go buy them at uh, the Best Buys and the Game Stops right now. Not Targets because the Targets are still clogged with Animal Crossing amiibo from two years ago. Do but, you think maybe uh, demand for them has just? That could be as well, but um, I wouldn't expect that to necessarily happen with uh, the Mario ones, and they are plentiful. Mario and Zelda stuff tend to sell out no problem, and uh, they've gotten all the Zelda stuff from Breath of the Wild back on the shelves again, even the rare stuff that you've had, like the Big Guardian. You know, oh, the, really? Like, that one I haven't seen since launch, and, like, the Best Buy in West Hollywood has, like, seven of them. Like, they're, they're you know, they're clearly preparing for holiday, or, for, or they were prepared for Black Friday and... And it worked out okay. They've they've still. And got, you were just in there right before you came to. Right this morning. They've got they've still got switches. And they're there right now. They're, they made I mean, it through Black Friday. They still have yeah. some. They have I mean, switches in there. They have switches. Wow. Yeah. Like they're the the distribution seems to be on point. Uh, and I don't think it's because they're not selling. I think it's because they actually got enough in the pipeline to meet demand, which is what you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it is. Yeah. So I'm not too uh, freaked out by you know the idea of giving away an amiibo disc for free in a in a cereal box, but like. Um, I mean, it's a good way to sell cereal, I guess. It is. It's a really good way to sell cereal. I don't know cereal. what it gives you, but, like, maybe a cereal hat. I don't know. What is I don't it? know. Do we know Actually, what it I'm does? Not, I don't know what, it, know what it, it gives does? you. I don't. Uh, I don't think a cereal's out yet. I think it doesn't come out for, mm. like, a couple weeks or whatever. But I'll be buying a box. Yeah, I'll probably get one. Sure. Will you open it? Yeah. Yeah? I don't know. I'm sure there's a market for 30-year-old stale cereal, but I'm never going to go to the... <laughs> Some of this stuff turns into like collector's items, though. I'm sure if you if you still had a box of the old Nintendo cereal, it'd probably be oh, worth probably. it. Oh, probably. It was a, a few years ago. A box of the old uh, C-3PO cereal uh, went for a few hundred bucks. But it's like that's a long, that's not really a great return on investment. Yeah. Is it worth holding on to that box of cereal for probably the not. next like twenty or thirty years? I'll tell probably. you what. I, look, I'll tell you what I want is I just want somebody to bring Oreo O's back. Bring what? Oreo O's. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. That was amazing. Like, you put milk on that, boom, you're eating Oreos. <laughs> like, there's no, I don't even like milk on cereal usually, but I did it for that. Really? You like, don't put milk on nah, cereal? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a milk on cereal guy. I like milk with cereal, not on the cereal. So you have like a glass of milk that yeah. you drink with the cereal. Yeah. Interesting. Like a chaser. Kind of what thing. is your favorite cereal? I mean, really Oreo O's. Really? Like, of all time. Like, that was the best, because I love Oreos, but um, 
Uh, I mean, it's probably something boring like cinnamon toast crunch or like that's not boring. Honey nut Cheerios. But uh, one actually one of the other ones I really liked it was called, it was a, it was a cereal called buckwheat buckwheats. <laughs> No, I remember those. Yeah, it was like that was from like the eighties. Oh yeah, Yeah. my mom used to eat that when I was a kid. I would, I would would have some of that too. And it was like it it was like frosted flakes, but like less likely to rip your mouth up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I like those. Those are really good. My favorite cereal is Cap'n Crunch. Let's talk about ripping your mouth up. Yeah, I think that's why I like it. I think what happens is it cuts the roof of your mouth, and then it just goes straight into your central nervous system. (laughs) Cap'n Crunch, I think, is the best cereal, hands down. Captain Crunch, I, I, the permutations of Captain Crunch these days are amazing. Yeah, they have like a million different flavors. I saw a new one uh, on uh, Target or something recently, and it was like, I don't remember what which one it was, but Captain Crunch did not look very happy to be there. Like, <laughs> like, it's like they're running out of expressions. For oh, them. they have the one called like, Oops, All Berries. Oops, All Berries, yeah. <laughs> This one was like some kind product. of, like, it was like some kind of peanut butter and jelly crunch or something. Oh, really? And his look, the look on his face was like... Like it was, yeah. it was, it was supposed to be kind of like, oh wow, what is this? But it looked more like, oh my god, how did I get here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of the reasons I like Captain Crunch is because it doesn't taste like anything else. Like a lot of cereals, mm. and I'm sure this will mm. happen with the Mario cereal. They're basically just like recoloring and rebranding the same cereal as something else. Right. It's like around Halloween, you can get the old Booberry, Frankenberry, mm-hmm. and Count Chocula cereal, and they're not actually those cereals from way back when. They'll just take, like, tricks. Like, they right. make the tricks, and they just put a different powder on it or whatever and color it differently. And happens with, like, it. Lucky Charms a lot, where it's like, yeah. oh, just different shaped marshmallows, and that's your that's your branded cereal, your licensed cereal, basically. Yeah, because if you look at the... And I can't believe we're talking about this, but if you look at the cereal aisle, and there's, like, 800 different kinds of cereals, there's really, like, five different types of cereals. But Cap and Crunch is, like, its own thing. And mm-hmm. I think it, that exclusivity is what puts it over the top for me. So. Well... You and a captain <laughs> make it happen. We're bros. I love Captain Crunch so much that I that just like five years ago, I actually sent in ten UPC symbols to get a Captain Crunch T-shirt. Wow, <laughs> haven't done that in a while. I, yeah, I hadn't done it since I was like three. So there you go. I told you I love cereal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. We are going to have some fun with today's show because there are no games coming out. There really are no games coming out matt no they're kind of done for the year xenoblade chronicles 2 came out today for whatever reason we did not get that game early from nintendo Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna have to go buy it today just like you did before you i played like an hour of it before i came here yeah we'll talk about that extensively next week um music's good that's all i can tell you (laughs) he played an hour of it and we didn't feel like that's enough to really talk about it so we'll get we'll get to xenoblade chronicles 2 next week of course by then a lot of you guys will have played it um reviews for that are pretty good it's probably around an 8, I think, on Metacritic, yeah. something like that. I mean, it was like, an 8.5 yesterday, and it's gone down mm-hmm. since. Like, there's a lot of, some interesting praise for it. Uh, US Gamer was kind of over the moon about it. They love RPGs, JRPGs. Yeah, they were kind of complaining, like, hey, I had all my Game of the Year stuff set up, and then this game came in and ruined everything, because now it's Game of the Year. And I'm like, I don't know about that. I, I think thoughts. they might be in on an island on that one. But yeah. <laughs> whatever. That's their opinion. They do like RPGs. Like they have a podcast dedicated mm-hmm. just to RPGs, which no other publication yeah, I like has. RPGs, but I just uh, mostly they just annoy me now. So yeah, like, like I, I, I'm also interested in that. Like you know, I'm wondering how I'm going to react to this after because the last big JRPG I think I really slogged through was Persona Five. And the more distance I get from Persona 5, the less I liked it. Did you ever finish Persona 5? I think I met the last boss and I just never turned it on again. The last leg of that game is hard. It is. Like that last section of the last dungeon, I literally played it, I think, like 30 times before I finally got through it. Oh, yeah? I didn't have a problem getting through it. It was was like I had to be on my toes strategically. So you did finish it? I'm not finished with it. I'm at the save point before the boss. Oh, got you, got you. 
Um, that game is random, though. It's like, what would happen is, like, an enemy would just one-hit me and just kill me. Mm. And I'd be like, oh, blow to save. I think Start I, again. I think I'm real over-leveled. Ah. Uh, I, I spent you a, always do that, though. But I sp- also spent a ton of time. Because what I did is there's a thing where, like, you, you know, you go in the, what was it, uh, you know, the, the optional dungeon, you know. Oh yeah, the catacombs or whatever the heck yeah, they're called. Yeah, the subway. Where you, you play know? as the van. It has an yeah, it has a name, uh, but yeah. I don't remember what it was. I don't remember either. Yeah. Um, but like basically, if you stay on a level too long, they send uh, enemies after they you. They send death after you. They send yeah. The reaper comes after you, and if you kill the reaper, because because if you go on the day when it's like flu season. The Reaper can... You, They're you, sick. You, yeah, yeah, all the enemies can be are sick, sick. And he'll die after a couple of rounds. Oh, really? you can just hang on. And you... Like, I... I so, like, oh, I'm like, oh, I, that's cool. That happened. And it goes to the, level, the, the, you know, the XP screen. And everybody leveled up 15 levels. Whoa! And I'm like, okay, we're going to do this over <laughs> and over again. So, like... So well, I just ran around and did that. So I think I'm, I think I'm like max level with everybody. Yeah. So yeah. I was not. I had just played through the game and got there. It was or at least hard I'm real high up. Like yeah. I'm, I'm 80 or 90 in the 90s. The enemies in that last stretch of the last dungeon literally were one hitting me. I like, believe it. Randomly, like I would whittle them down, have them almost defeated, and just one attack, boom, just wiped out, mm. reload the save. So anyway, I, yeah. <laughs> so I'm interested to see if uh, yeah, every JRPG now is kind of like a thing where it's like. Am I just not into this anymore, or is it because I'm waiting for one to have the production value I expect from something? And so far, I know there's been people who ragged on, have ragged on the voices and the writing in Xenoblade Chronicles 2, but so far I think the dialogue editing is better than average. Because the, they don't have a lot of awkward pauses, there's not a lot of like... The bar is pretty low there, by right. the way. <laughs> but like it, do, it doesn't strike me. Like I, I haven't constantly felt like, oh, this is, was not originally in English. Right. You know? Except for a couple places where like they use the standard kind of translation things where it's like, you know, okay, I'm counting on you, that kind of thing. It's like no one says that to each other in English. Right. Like, that's just a translation of a Japanese phrase. It means like it's in your hands now. Kind right. Of thing. But like it sounds, and I, I like that they went with the kind of the, the, the British voice actors again, like the first Xenoblade where yeah. like, it's not the same group of like the same ten anime dub actors that are in everything, yeah. so it, it doesn't feel. I can, I'm not just like, oh, there's Tara Strong, or there's you know, it's it's. It feels a little more exotic that way, just because I don't know who every, all the voices are. Right. So I'm I'm thumbs up so far, but it's like one hour of nothing but tutorials and like running through the first town. You know? Combat system seems insane in that game. Yeah, they always insane. are. Insane. They always are. Yeah, I was well, I watched a video review of it yesterday, and I I couldn't even follow like what what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was. Just not well written or well explained, but after like the first like thirty seconds of them explaining the combat system, I was like, "What?" Well, part of it, like a lot of it's intuitive to me because I played the other two, and like it, it feels like Xenoblade. It's like you, you know, if you you could put, someone could put this in your hands, and you, if you've played the other two or at least the first, even if it's the first one, you'd know this was Xenoblade after like you know five minutes of messing around. But like it, it, it you know, it's it's I'm just I'm peeking through a tiny little keyhole right now. Yes, you are. Seen, I haven't seen anything really. <laughs> Eighty to hundred hours long. Uh, so anyway, we're going to have some fun with today's show, and probably a little bit next week as well. We are wrapping up the year. It's, a, it's been a crazy long year with lots of uh, ups and downs, but uh, ultimately we've made it to the end of the year, so that's reason to celebrate. So we're going to have some fun over the next couple weeks with Game Face. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. And we're going to do some fun topics like the one we're about to do right now, and this is called High Low. So, Matt, did you actually look at the, the questions for this? No. Okay. I didn't want him to because it's better if I, he just gets some. I fresh. looked at the the one of the things for later. The okay. Fan, the fantasy stuff. Okay. But. So this this topic is called high low, and basically how it works is I give Matt a number based on something related to games, and then he tells me whether he thinks the final result is going to be higher or lower. Very mm-hmm. simple. 
And we have five questions here for you, Matt. The first one, Xbox One X console sales in 2017, and the number is one million. Higher or lower? Uh, as in it has sold more How many will less? it sell by the end of the year? Oh. Higher or lower than a million? Lower. Lower? I think lower. So maybe, you think- Maybe close, but I think it'll be less than a million. So you think that a lot of the PR that's come out about it uh, when pre-orders launched and even since it launched, the numbers that we've, mm-hmm. get, we've got from Microsoft, you think a lot of that's kind of fooey? No, I think they mean it. They just, their expectations are where they are and they're not telling us what they're, you know, they might think 500,000 is a good number for their expectations on that, that system. I don't know. Like they're, they're saying like, oh, it's sold great. Like what's great? What does that mean? Right. Like we don't know. If you're not going to tell anybody numbers or like your original targets, like what is that? It doesn't tell us anything. Like, you're just sort of kind of randomly PR, putting out a PR note that says, like, we're happy with our thing. You know, it's like, great. Like, and? Like, it does, that doesn't mean anything to me. I, I agree with you, actually. I, I go under. And it's weird for me to answer these because I'm the one who set the numbers for these. But <laughs> <laughs> I tried to put the number in a place that makes, that makes it a difficult decision. Um, and I definitely, I think as well it'll come in under. And I think if Microsoft has sold anywhere near a million or it was even approaching that because look we've got four weeks left before the end of the year Mm. if it was even anywhere near that i think it would have messaged how many it sold and look microsoft has got out of that for the last like year and a half saying we sold x number of consoles it always says now we have x number of xbox live subscribers instead so it's not like i really counted on that but i feel like if it was a smash hit and was doing especially well numbers wise that it would have come out and given us some hard figures on Mm that um what do you think it's going to sell before the end of the year? Wild guess. I, like my like, probably my ceiling for it would be like eight hundred thousand. I, I think if it hits five hundred k, it's done really well. Yeah. I, I honestly don't think it's going to get close to a million, and a lot of that will depend on how many Microsoft is able to manufacture and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So, so we may never know. We, yeah, because yeah, it like, well, unless it does really well. Right. I but think if, again, if it does really well, we'll hear the numbers. If it breaks a million, we'll hear about it. We but will. If it doesn't, I think we'll just be oh, we're happy with the sales. And that's it. That's uh, all you get. You know, there, now there's yeah. another 30,000 people on Xbox Live. Right. <laughs> and that's all we're going to get. So we both agreed on that one. Here's the next one. Sales of Super Mario Odyssey in 2017. Mm-hmm. Just in the U.S. 3 million. Hmm. Higher or lower? I think higher. Yeah? If they make enough, I think higher. You mean make enough consoles? Co- co- yeah, make enough copies. Really? Copies of the game? Yeah. I don't think that's a problem. No? No. Okay. I think the bigger question is the install base of Switch, and if there are enough consoles out there for people to buy first so that they can then buy the game, and... I think there are. Well, they're already at the... Well, actually, how many have sold in America? Do we know that? I don't even know. I think it's like 4 million, maybe, getting to 4 mm. million the last time I saw the numbers. I feel like the attach rate on this is going to be real high. So the problem is, is you have these people getting the new console, but then they just, do they get Mario and Zelda? Do they get Zelda and not get Mario? Uh, most of the people I know who are buying the system now are getting Mario. They are? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Not that they were waiting for Mario, but like when you present them with kind the of choice. the choice, they pick Mario because they think Mario is going to be easier to play with their kids, or they recognize it easier, or they... Some of them just don't like Zelda. Like I just think Mario is way more accessible. I think Mario is more Zelda. popular. Like yeah, Mario's. I mean, Zelda is, is a big deal, but nothing touches Mario. I mean, even even in Nintendo's other top tier franchises, Mario is on its on his own level. Yeah. So I think I think Mario will sell just fine. And we saw Zelda sold about three million like after a couple of months, yeah, or a month or two. 
Um, and Mario, Mario sold like Zelda's first month in a week. So I think Mario Odyssey can hit three million if the if the product is there to be sold. So you're saying uh, higher? High, I think higher. Higher than three million before the end of the year. Yeah. That's a tough one. I think I set the number on this like pretty well. Um, it's hard for me to know unless I know what kind of hardware numbers are going into retail channels. Um, you telling me that you just saw Switch at Best Buy basically a week after Black Friday, that bodes pretty well. Mm. To me, that shows that Nintendo's doing a pretty good job. I mean, there were like seven of them, but they have Still. I mean, still, they're there. You yeah. can just walk in and buy one. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a big deal. Um, so I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say it'll hit $3 million. I think it'll barely go over $3 million before the end of the year. Mm -hmm. uh, next up, Star Wars Battlefront 2 sales across all platforms mm -hmm. uh, by March of 2018. And the number is 10 million. Higher or lower? Lower. The first Battlefront sold 14 million. Lower. Lower than 10? I think lower than 10. So you think that all the controversy over the game is going to make it sell 30% less than the first game? I think that, Despite it being well, arguably no, a I, much I better think, game. I think it's going to be... Uh, well, A, I don't think it's a much better game. Than the first one? No. Really? And B, wow. I think... Uh, too many people are going to look at, like, the casuals are, they don't know about the controversy. It doesn't matter to them. I think too many people are going to look at that and think it's the same game they already own. One it, looks, of, it looks too much like the first one. One of my very good friends, his wife texted me the other day and said, Sean wants, we were watching this. <laughs> <laughs> Sean wants the new Star Wars game. Which console should I buy for him to play the new mm. Star Wars game? And I think. He's a huge Star Wars fan. Like, he has Star Wars sneakers, and, mm -hmm. like, he's into it and has been into it. He's, other than you, he's probably the biggest Star Wars fan that I know personally. And he's buying a console just for this game. Um, and so, and, you know, with the movie coming out, there's, you get kind mm -hmm. of that pin action off of the movie. Somewhat. You really think it'll sell that much less than the first I think I think like you said, a lot of casuals don't even know anything about the right. controversy. Right. Well, I don't think it has anything to do with the controversy. I'm not saying this is because oh, okay. of the controversy in any way, shape, or form. Got it, got I don't it, got think it. it matters. Okay. What I'm saying is, the first game was part of that Force Awakens sort of like rebirth, you know, rebirth furor thing. Yeah. Um, F U R O R. Not <laughs> not, not the, the Force Awakens was Hitler. Right. Um, the uh, and I think it was just part of that mania, and I don't know if that same kind of. Th I think Last Jedi is going to do really good, but I don't know if it'll create that kind of cultural shockwave. Uh, and I think uh, you're going to hit a point, and this happens with casual people. And I've talked to some people who love Battlefront and like the first one, but like, and talked about the second one, and they're like, "Oh, it just looks too much like the thing I already have." Yeah. And I think that's going to be. I think the fact that it's basically another Battlefront is going to ha be. A problem when it comes to kind of cresting that top level hump. I mean, you're going to sell a ton of them, obviously. Yeah. But I think uh, a lot of people are just going to feel like they've got their their Battlefront and they've already they can they'll just play that instead of spending their sixty bucks on the thing they already kind of own. Because the nuance between what the difference between those two things is is a little is I think kind of lost on some people like that are that are not as into like the nuance of games as we are. Like you and I would have no problem understanding that, like, oh, Battlefront 2 is obviously not, you know, that's it's not even close, obviously. There's prequel stuff in this one. Oh, awesome, you know. There's you, a campaign. There's a campaign. That's, and um, so I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's not going to sell as well as the first one. I think, okay, so I think it's going to sell more than 10 million. So I'm going to say higher 
but I do think it is not going to end up selling as well as the first Battlefront. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it'll probably get around 11, maybe 12 million, which will make it come in about two less. And I think, and I honestly do think that that two million less will be because of the controversy, because this controversy has spread outside of the gaming lexicon. It was on CNN. Mm-hmm. Like on CNN.com one day, I saw a story about the loot boxes in Star Wars Battlefront 2. So it has kind of went out of our purview uh, in a certain way. And some people are kind of alerted to that. So, And of course, the hardcore gamers know all about it. And I could definitely see 2 million hardcore gamers deciding, no, I'm not buying it this time because I don't want to give them my money and tell them I'm okay with what they're doing with this game. So... I do think it's going to sell worse than the first one, but I still think it's going to come in over that 10 million mark. Mm, maybe. I don't know. I don't have a lot of strong feelings one way or the other on that. I just feel like it's going to not... It, it might hit 10 million, but it's going to... This can be a, a ceiling, I think. Okay. It's a good, it's a good number to pick yeah. for that. Here's the next one. The number of new VR HMDs released... And these are new. Released in 2018. And the number is five. Higher or lower? Uh, does this count stuff like, like, little kind of those little weird portable things somebody might not like something you could buy at like Radio Shack or mm-hmm. <laughs> like like legitimate like mobile's okay. Mm-hmm. But I think that's sort of the the bottom, the breaking point. But like a full fledged kind of platform. Yeah, like a Gear VR is okay. Okay. Hmm. I think that's going to be higher. You think? I'm not saying it's a good idea, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think I think more, I think enough. There's I th- feel like there's going to be a, you know because I think we're going to get new versions of the three, the big three. Yeah. And then I, there's going to be at least three more other companies that like have their own thing in development and have to put it out because it's too far gone. Well, there's the Windows mixed reality stuff, mm-hmm. and there was like three announced for that, but I think two of them have come out already. I don't. I, I think Acer's to, maybe came out already. I haven't been paying or, attention to that okay. at all. Um. I th- yeah, I think there'll be more than five. I'm not saying they'll all be successful, or any of them will be, but like, yeah. I guess I, th- I think enough people will have, have like, you're going to see... They already the- released a new version of PlayStation VR. Yeah, so we're actually you- probably not getting a new version of that next But year. I think you're going to see the tail end of kind of, you know, people that were trying to jump on last year's hype wagon finally having to put their product out hell or high water. Yeah. So I think you'll see more than more than five. It's a tough question because... There have been reports coming in the net the last few days that VR has actually done pretty well over the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, on Black Friday and Cyber Monday, the sales... Yeah, I think the prices got down finally to a point where people were willing to take a chance. So it makes you think that companies might be more willing to jump into the space. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, VR's done so bad. <laughs> it's like, it's hard for me. If I was running Samsung or some major electronics corporation, I would absolutely not launch a VR HMD. I would mm-hmm. not. Maybe I would wait five years when the tech's there and you can get the price down and the quality per dollar spent is kind of mm-hmm. where it needs to be. But I look at all these HMDs that have been announced this year and I just am like, what are you thinking? Why would you put out a headset? A lot I, of these. I think the reason is because in this is kind of conventional business wisdom and who knows if it applies. But like the I think the idea is that when VR catches. It's going to catch hard and fast and with one particular platform. And if you are not that platform, you're in the dust. Yeah. So everybody wants to, you know, no one wants to stand back because everybody wants to take the, roll the dice to be that platform that catches fire. Right. So, but the question becomes like, is that catch going to be in the next year 
or the next three years or the next five years. You know, you don't know. And like, yeah. but I think if you're, you know, if your company's invested in this technology, you have to, you have to take that risk. Um, so I get why they're doing it, but like, I agree with you that it's probably not the time. Yeah. You know, like I'm going to go lo- on low. I'm going to go under on this one. Um, I just, so you're thinking there's going to be stuff like hardware canceled, basically. Yeah, I mean, well, like I said, I think two of the mi- the Windows Mixed Media head- headsets already came out, which means mm-hmm. there's one left. And I agree with you that we'll probably get a new revision, at least of the Vive next year, because yeah, it really that, needs yeah, a revision. I think the wireless Vive will finally show up. But I feel like with Oculus and PlayStation VR, PlayStation VR just released a new model, which mm-hmm. wasn't a huge upgrade, but it did kind of fix some nagging issues that people have with the launch yeah, it, it's the, if you're using it on the pro and a 4k tv you finally don't have to unplug things to use various features it's a, right it's kind of how it should have been to begin with yeah and it's sort of shitty that it doesn't work with the old cable so you can't just yeah. buy the box yeah it like, does mm. not surprised no i mean <laughs> early adoption gets you screwed we know yeah. this we're aware so we got we got that already we got a revision of playstation mm-hmm. vr Oculus, and look, I already said Vive, I think for sure we'll get a revision of that next year, mm-hmm. so that's that's one. Um, but with Oculus, I feel like Oculus produced so many riffs because of the financial backing it had and the push that Facebook put behind it and how it wants to turn it into this kind of Facebook thing mm-hmm. and it has all these other applications for it. I feel like it built too many units and it has a warehouse somewhere with a ton of them in there. And I think until it starts to get rid of some of that inventory... This holiday season's helping, obviously, with mm-hmm. the numbers that have come out. I think until it gets rid of a lot of that inventory, it's not going to think about revising it. Plus... Well, they are still doing that, like, the more self-contained thing, right? Right. Yeah, the, the wireless one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that counts. It does. It absolutely does. But that's one. So right. we have that. We have the Vive. We have one mix. Mm-hmm. One w- Windows mixed. Right. And, uh, I think there's and there'll at least... probably be a new Gear VR. Yeah. And I think there's a... you're getting at least two more random companies off to the side be like, hey, here's our thing. And then everybody right. notices. You may you know? be right. I'm still going to say under. Because I, I don't think Oculus... Oculus has also done a good job of updating mm. its platform. we got the touch controllers now that work really great. It's actually a fully matured VR platform. Whereas I feel like Vive, probably still the better platform, really. But it's much more finicky. And you have, mm-hmm. you have to be kind of more of a, a techie guy to kind of get it to work right. And you have, just to set it up, it's a lot more complicated. Mm-hmm. So There's more drilling. Yeah, and so I think that uh, we'll probably not get a new Oculus next year unless it starts selling like gangbusters. I think we'll see them announce it. I don't think it'll come out next yeah. year. So again, um, I think that number was pretty good. Five, I think, is going to be yeah, either I, six it, or four. We'll see where they go. I mean, the Oculus thing, I could see go either way. Um, you know, because on one hand, yeah, but on the other, like Facebook, has, Facebook see you know this is to them this is what facebook is in 10 years mm-hmm. like this is their business's future yeah in 10 years and they want to be on that cutting they want that they want to be the, the the vr headset you buy and continue to use and then talk to your family in virtual reality 10 years from now that'll be how it works and like the idea is that you would never consider buying a vr headset that wasn't facebook branded kind of thing you know that's that's where they're going so i think and because of the obscene amount of money facebook has I could see them finding having no problem. Be like, okay, liquidate, burn the Oculus, the, the first gen Oculus units we haven't sold. Like, really? And, oh, I mean, look, yeah. Facebook has the money to just right. literally liquidate or just Absolutely. sell them for like fifty dollars right. or but whatever. Because what, what we're talking about, what I think we're talking about here in terms of from Facebook's perspective, we're talking about their survival. 
Yeah, this I is mean, a, that's this what is, the social network is yeah, going to be. This is what they see that as being, and they are desperately, I think internally at least, they have to be a little bit afraid that someone else is going to do that first. Because remember, Facebook will, can never forget that they supplanted MySpace. Yeah. And whoever comes along with the new, better way to do the social networking thing... A lot have tried. ...will win. <laughs> a lot have tried. And, and there, But there was a time when the idea of everybody migrating from MySpace was crazy. Yeah. And it happened. Yeah, and absolutely. Face, and I think Facebook is smart enough to, rem to remember they got to stay at that e on that edge. And uh, I think the, the the rift is sort of the idea that, that, that is going to keep... In their it's a opinion... a big commitment, In though. their opinion, that's what's going to keep them there. Yeah. And we'll see if they're right. You know, but I th I can see them being very aggressive in putting out new and improved models of things as we move forward. I think that would be a huge mistake on Facebook's part, though, because... I think you're right, but I'm just saying, <laughs> from Facebook's perspective, they may not see it that You're way. asking someone to spend $300 to use Facebook. That is mm -hmm. not going to happen. They will absolutely go find another social network to use. Yeah. People well, don't want to pay is, for it might anything be, on the internet. Well, that's the thing, is it might be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, you know? that's true. It's true. All right, here's the last one, and this is just kind of fun for fun, honestly. The number of Star Wars games released by EA next year. And the number is one. Higher or lower? Oh, that's lower. None. None. Of course. <laughs> None. Zero. Yeah. Unless they somehow publish a mobile game. Yeah. Because, I mean, they can't have Battlefront ready. No. I they, mean... They got nothing. So you think none? You don't think that they have, like, maybe some little project that they're working on with the IP that... I mean, I don't know. They could put out like a VR expansion for the for Battlefront Two, like they did with the the Rogue One thing. But I don't yeah. think they care about that. That'd only be if Lucasfilm throws you know, promotional money at them. Right. Um, I don't think they have any. Unless Respawn Star Wars game is way further along than we think it is. Which it could be because Respawn is really freaking good. Respawn does get things <laughs> I mean, done, it, yeah. and it gets it gets it done, and it gets it done very well and very quickly. Um, so it, yeah, they might get the Respawn game out next year, but my feeling is nothing. No, I, mean, I agree with you on that one. I think there's nothing. Think about that. They have it next has, year's the halfway point. Next fall is the halfway point of their ten year deal. I mean, it has the probably the most lucrative sort of culture based IP mm -hmm. in the industry, and it will have no game for that IP. And it will have put out two games, both the same series, in five years. Yeah, in half a decade. Yep. During, by the way, the biggest fever pitch of Star Wars mania since probably the original films. Yeah, easily. Like, I feel like I feel like there is just tons of money being left on the table here by them. There's going to be a lot of DLC for Battlefront too. I'll tell you. I'll tell you this: <laughs> unless something happens, uh, unless there's a major turnaround in how EA is handling this license in the next five years, I cannot see the license staying with them when that deal is up. Did you watch the Pactor Factor where Pac talks about it? No. About how all EA really or all Disney really cares about is making sure the games are good and not mm -hmm. not how many are put out because it just wants to protect the IP to make sure that people care mm -hmm. about the movies. You, you've mentioned this before that it's really ultimately just about how many movie tickets they sell. Right. That they don't really care how well the game sells. Any money that they make from their partnership with EA is just gravy. Mm -hmm. They really just want to keep it in the game space and make sure the games are really good or at least look good. Yeah. Well, then that's like how the how the microtransaction thing came up was originally, I guess, the loot boxes were like customization things and colors and stuff. And they were like, no, you can't have a pink Vader. Right. And... Uh, that's the other thing nobody, Pat talks about. Nobody is. wants to see Vader. It's like everybody wants a pink Vader. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, but like Disney that, doesn't want to see that. Pink completely Vader. tracks with my experiences with Lucasfilm on that. Is like 
they like you're not allowed to mess with the characters in any way shape or form like you can't display i mean like there was we did some stuff on a show i did that for them like we had to worry about what was in the background all the time and there was like that was like a shot with like a wookie standee that had to be cut because there was a it was basically like you couldn't see a character without some kind of specific you know you had to present them a certain way and just having a standee back there i think it was because it had like a coat on it or something (laughs) and like they're like no that's not how the character can be presented i mean that's just how that's how lucas branding has always worked to some degree Pactor so, also talks, doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. And Pactor also talks about how a lot of times with companies like Disney, once you get into the groove of a company like EA, you don't want to end that relationship and start again with another mm-hmm. publisher because you've created these lines of communications between Disney and EA. Mm-hmm. So okaying assets, which is a huge part. It's like you said, like they have to make sure every piece of armor is exactly exactly right. All the character models are exactly right. All the ships, the plan everything and once you've created those channels and they're working well enough that you can actually develop a game in a decent amount of time it's hard to trash that deal Mm -hmm. and go back and he brings up that's why companies continue to work with thq back in the day right because they had already created those lines of communication i mean it just depends how they're like because again people always do the disney thing but lucasfilm controls star wars 100 percent. yeah like disney cannot dictate that the reason disney stepped in on this because of the CNN coverage and stuff, is because they are the distributor of the films. So the, the films, like the only thing they control about the Star Wars films is when they come out. Yeah. But because they are the distributor, they have a large financial stake in how those movies do at the box office, and so that makes sense that Bob Iger would step in and, and call EA and be like, uh, "Hey, fix this yeah. because this is coming up." But Lucasfilm basically has that's part of the deal. Like they paid, you know, everyone goes, "Oh, four billion dollars is so much." Four billion dollars is not a lot of money for Star Wars. No, it's not. Uh, it's really not. Force Awakens made that back for them basically through merchandising and box office all by itself. Well, it's like when Activision so, bought King for all that money, and people are like, right. "Are you insane?" But then no, you listen to Pactor yeah. actually break it down, and you're like, you, "There, it's a steal." Yeah, it's, it's easy. No yeah. question. And so, like, for this, it's like, you know, Luke, part of the deal was Lucasfilm con- keeps control over its brand. And so I can, I, my, the question becomes, is Lucasfilm going to be angry enough or upset enough or feel that EA doesn't handle the brand well enough that they will make that sacrifice to move it somewhere else? I feel like that is unlikely if, in that regard. Like, if, you, if you're going to deal with, like, if you're going to go down, like, the Pactor route and be like, oh, pipeline and business relationship and da-da-da, I could see that sticking with it just because in the end... EA, the two games EA has put out for Star Wars look amazing. And that's that was his like, point. Yeah. His ultimate they point was like Star Wars. they look so good. And for a lot of people who work at Disney, it's they're not going to care about all the granular stuff. They're like, wow, that looks like freaking Star Wars and I can actually play it. And uh, for a lot of people who don't work in the games industry, that's good enough. And then if sales are doing okay and a lot of their fans aren't calling saying, hey, there's a pink Vader in this or whatever, <laughs> then they're going to be okay with it. The last few episodes of Pactor Factor, by the way, have been amazing. Uh, If any of you have fallen off watching Pactor Factor, you should watch the last couple episodes. He is killing it. He's also, like, hooking you guys up with, like, stock advice that could make you very wealthy. So, if you've fallen off watching the show, you should go back and watch it. He's been tearing it up. So, all right, let's move on to the next topic. That was fun. Hilo is always good. We should probably do that a lot more than we do. Yeah, I don't remember the last time we did that. It's been all probably like 10 months or maybe more since we did it. Um, we'll, we'll work that into the show a little more. We have another fun category later on as well that I think we'll probably do a little more often, especially early next year because 
early 2018 is not looking like no, not early, early 2017. 2017. Uh, no. So, yeah, we'll be having to... Uh, Stuff's making its deadline. Yeah, around. exactly. We'll have to find some topics for early shows next year, so I'm sure this will be back in, in not too long of a time. So, next we're going to talk about Epic, Fortnite, and really the industry's problem in general in dealing with cheaters. And Fortnite just can't stay out of the headlines. No, it can't. Which is... Epic probably loves that, by the yeah. way. Um, so basically what happened this week, it didn't actually happen this week, but the fallout of this happened this week, which is Epic sued a 14-year-old kid <laughs> for cheating. And essentially what happened is he went to one of these websites where you literally pay like $5 a month or whatever to use their app mm. to cheat in a game. And he did it. He got it. He played Fortnite. He went on YouTube and then streamed live. Him using the cheat, whatever it is, to play, and then even labeled it like Fortnite <laughs> using cheat to destroy the competition. Live streamed it and then archived it. And what happened was Epic found it, issued a takedown notice, and the kid disputed it. Mm. And when he disputed it, that's when Epic was like, whoa, like, wait a minute here. And so they added him to the list of cheaters that they sued. Turns out, they didn't know he was 14 at the time, obviously. But, obviously, he's generating revenue from YouTube somehow, or there wouldn't have been, like, a takedown notice. And if there, if, and if there were a takedown notice, he would have cared if he weren't making money off of YouTube. He wouldn't have fought it. He'd have been like, what difference does it make if they take it down? I'm not making money off of it anyway. Well, I don't know. He, you're 14. You might just be trying to fight the power. Right? That, that could be. That, that could be. When I was 14, I was definitely had a little bit of rebel in me. Yeah. I still do in some cases. But his, So his mom obviously catches wind of this. And flips out and says, oh my gosh, you're trying to see my 14-year-old kid. But what she really realizes is she's the one that's really right. getting sued. Because any judgment, the kid's not paying for it. The mom's going to pay for it. And so she fought back and said, because basically how the law is written is, and the end user license agreement is, if you altered the game. And so the mom is standing on the grounds of, my son didn't alter the game. The program that he uses alters the game. And then Epic came back and said, well, technically he is using that code and then going on YouTube and broadcasting and promoting this tool that alters the game. Mm. And so it's turned into this huge thing. Matt, where do you fall on the side of this? The other thing the mother said too was that um, they didn't ask for his age and the game is free. So mm. she's like, Fortnite's free and they didn't ask for his age when he started playing it. Um, I think I come down on the whole, uh, epic. There's no way this ends well for you if you keep pushing. Really? Like, like I mean, I get, like, trying to kind of, you know, enforce the non-cheating thing, but attacking this mother and her child over, like, you know, a cheat app, like, it's shitty, and I don't like that the kid did it, but maybe, like, you know, story out there, lesson learned, maybe don't push it legally any further than this. It's not like the kid is slanging dope out the back of the screen door or something. It means, you know, he's cheating in a free game, Battle Royale game. It's like, it's not like I'm be happy with it, but uh, I have a few people I've run into over the years in online games I'd rather see in jail than this kid. Yeah, oh, for sure. Well, be, look, Epic has responded to her and said, like, basically, as of right now, has not dropped the hmm. suit. And it said, look, we're going to take this to court and we'll let them decide. I tend decide to agree with what? Like, damages, basically? I guess. Like, that, that, that they've lost money because this kid was cheating That's what the they're game. saying, that, that's yeah. That's what they're after him. Yeah, because they're saying he's essentially 
promoting this product to other gamers who will then go and spend money, who will then come in and cheat in the game. And, and then they make... could have spent that $5 a month on loot boxes. Right. That's, no, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. right, though. That's what it is. Because you're, you could scare off potential customers. If, look, if the game becomes inundated with cheaters mm -hmm. and there's no way to win playing legitimately, legitimately yeah. people will stop playing. Yeah. And then you lose any money you generate from cosmetics or loot boxes or whatever. Whatever future they have planned for Fortnite as far as how they're going to monetize it. Because right now it is kind of like in this period of let's just get everybody hooked on it. And then we'll start figuring out how to better monetize all these people. Mm -hmm. And so from Epic's perspective, you could actually say, yeah, activity like this, not directly, but indirectly could impact revenue generated by a yeah. game like this. I, I just feel like, um, I don't know. Like, I don't, What's I, the greater I, I, good, I, right? right. What? I, I, what's the end game there in terms of monetary cost to these people? I know? don't think that they care about getting $30,000 from the mom or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't think they really care about the judgment at all financially. I think what they want to do is get a judgment so that it scares the living crap out of mm -hmm. not really just the kids, but the parents. Because the parents are the ones who are going to read that story yeah, on the parents CNN. Parents are the ones you want being like saying to the kids, like you're not cheating, are you? Right. Because otherwise I'll get sued. <laughs> or you're not playing Fortnite. Right. I mean, that's another. That could be that a potential be too. backfiring yeah. for Epic. Is that parents around the world are like, you're not playing this game. They sue people. Yeah, like, that's true. I mean, there's a double-edged sword to that. So, I, like, Here, I, play PUBG. They don't sue anyone. They don't care yet. <laughs> yeah, they just don't care. <laughs> I was. I'm surprised we didn't talk a little bit about the. You see the article about uh, you know how PUBG's in China and it's doing really well. You see the translation winner winner chicken dinner. No. So the ch translation in China basically becomes uh, uh, luck be with you tonight. We're eating chicken. <laughs> and it's spawned. Apparently, this has been so popular. It's it has spawned a whole subgenre of like mobile games where like the player eats chicken. And like is rewarded with chicken, like there's a whole chicken eating subgenre that has spawned out of the popularity of PUBG now. Well, PUBG China. did announce today, this morning, two mobile versions of the game. Yeah, I saw that. There's too. one that's kind of that really is kind of PUBG, and then there's like a more arcadey like mm -hmm. spin on it or whatever. So but I think the proliferation of PUBG has right. begun. Getting there. Yeah. But luck be with you tonight. We're, tonight we're eating chicken is so much better than winner winner chicken. Yeah. Dinner. Matt, do you think that doing stuff like this, taking this kid and his family to court, do you think it actually has an effect? Do you think other people notice and it actually changes behavior? Um, I don't know. I mean, it might be some, but some maybe not. Yeah. Like you probably, you probably maybe fifty-fifty. Got got some people that go, oh, I don't want to cheat in Fortnite. I'll get sued. But then this, you know, a lot of the people that are going to already do something like this is going to pay five. You know, think about that. Think about the mentality required to pay five dollars a month for a thing that lets you cheat in a video game. I know. Like against <laughs> other people, I it's know. like it's not like I haven't bought a Game Shark in my time. Right, but right. Like, it's, it's like but, but Game Sharks were stuff like Big Head Mode and like some games were like Unlimited Lives, and Lives like and that. Money and things. You know, but I never use that. On, I didn't use that on online. Those so. are all for single player games. Yeah. yeah. For you to get the most you out of mess up your single player game, I don't care. Right. But like. I don't know. I, I just don't know what the mentality of that, how that ties in, or if like someone who's thinking like that would just be like, oh, you know, they'll never get me, kind of thing. I mean, let's also face it, like, one of the main reasons this kid got hit by this is because he was so brazen in streaming and archiving it, and then refusing to... If he'd just taken it down, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. 
that was really what triggered it. Yeah. When he fought the DMCA takedown, they were like, oh, wait a minute. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You want to play like that? You're on Santa's list now. But he is 14. Like, right. you don't comprehend stuff like that at 14. Right. He's got some You're just like, you're trying to take do. down my video. Screw you. I made this video. I'm leaving it up. I'm fighting it. And then little did he know. Whoops. Consequences. Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what the what the research is on that. If that would actually have a, deter, a deterring effect. Yeah. Um, I mean, probably would have had a deterring effect on me at that age, but I was kind of a chicken. So yeah. Speaking of <laughs> eating chicken tonight, um, like I would not have won because like if because if that had happened, my dad would have just probably just killed me. Like, just, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, oh, you're just going off the balcony, right? I now. would have been able to sit down for yeah. like a month. <laughs> I'd have been done. You're sleeping in the pool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think to an extent, parents today are probably less into that type of punishment. And yeah, but... Uh, the worst thing that happens to most kids these days is they get grounded. Getting get my Taking kid, their cell phone away. Right. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, but my kid getting sued for cheating in a lot... I mean, I get, I'm different. Also, I, I would be disappointed in the cheating. Right. Like, I would be <laughs> devastated. I'm like, you're like, one of those. I have failed yeah. in raising you. <laughs> What a, what a, where did I go wrong? Yeah. Now I'm going to move some lawns to help pay for this. But uh, do you think Epic is in the wrong for doing this? Suing a 14-year-old? Um, I don't really think of it as a right or wrong thing. I yeah. Mean, I would like to I see I mean, that's them. what most people are saying. It's I would prefer, like either... I prefer not to see them ruin these people's lives financially, but like I feel like they're not going to do that necessarily. Yeah, I mean... Um, how do you quantify how much money you've lost from this? I mean, like, it's also like, you know, this is, it's a widespread problem and a couple, you know, some people were going to get singled out on this. It's too bad that it's a 14-year-old kid, but like... Yeah. If it, well, there's a lot more, too. It's not Right, but it's, like, that's kind of the thing. It's like maybe they can't drop one person off their suit because the suit's already in motion. That's a good point. You know, I don't know, I don't, like, I don't know how that works or how, what they've filed here. Yeah. Like, it might be like if they want to take that kid off, they have to refile the suit. It's possible. Um, so, I don't know... It, I, hopefully, EA or Epic uh, Epic proceeds carefully because it could backfire into a horrible PR nightmare. No, it could it absolutely if it, if it could. goes wrong. I mean, it's already dug in his heels. Yeah. I mean, I kind of figured once the mom, because the mom wrote like this impassioned letter and like explained everything, and Epic was like, "Nope, mm-hmm. <laughs> don't care." I mean, and look, and there is there is a little bit of responsibility on the mother's part too, because it is her job to make sure her kids aren't doing things that they should not be doing. Yeah, like how did he pay that $5 for the cheat app? Mm-hmm. Like whose credit card was right. that on? Or was yeah. it, or was it, was he PayPal and was he using bitcoins? Right. <laughs> it's possible. From, from his, from his YouTube earnings. Like yeah. who knows? Like, who knows? Yeah. But, and so there is an angle to that of, you know, you're the parent. You're supposed mm-hmm. to know what your kid's doing. You're supposed to make sure your kid's not doing something that's illegal. Because it is illegal, technically. I mean, it's against the agreement you click the, you don't read and click agree on. Right. I mean, there could be anything in there, really. No, I mean, I don't read them. Nobody does. I mean, I wonder how many of them, like, I've clicked on that say your firstborn belongs to us, should we so choose? No, I mean, like, I, you yeah, never there's, know. there's been a South Park about that, about Apple that was all related to that, about mm-hmm. how Apple had hidden all this stuff in its end user licensing agreement, and they had, like, your first, they got your firstborn child, and you just didn't even know it. Like, I mean, <laughs> look, I don't even know what the laws are around that. I would think that the government would protect us from some of that stuff. If that ever went, like, fully, like, you know, up to the courts, basically it would become a thing where, like, there's no reason anyone should should expect that to be uh, an element of that agreement, so it's not going to hold up. 
yeah. legally, basically. So, but like you still have to go through the court process to do that. Yeah, uh, which is not something anyone wants to do. It's not easy, mom, and it's I'm not sure. cheap either. No, not at all. So, it'll be interesting to watch. Do you think Epic will eventually back down, Matt? I feel like uh, they the might. PR hasn't been that bad. No, I mean... well, I think what might happen is they might take it to you know to the to a judgment. They might take it all the way to the to completion of the case to judgment. But they may not demand the payment. They like may you, waive like it. You don't. Yeah. Ha- yeah, you can waive the the suit payment if you want, and they uh, they may do something like that. To because let's not... be honest, Epic has already got what it wanted out of this. Yeah. I mean, the, the Epic's probably actually happy that one of the people ended up being a fourteen year old, because if it was just a bunch of people our age, mm-hmm. it never would have made any, the press. Yeah, and also I really do feel like that demographic is the more of the problem. I wonder that. Actually, I, I tried to fi- I tried to do some research on this, mm-hmm. and I tried to find like what is the average age of the video game cheater, and I could not find any data on it at all. Yeah, I would imagine that's a hard research project. Yeah, probably a good research but project judging, for but, someone in college. Yeah, but judging by you know the the squeaky voices I've heard yeah. uh, in the che- <laughs> in the cheating moments in in my uh, online time, or uh, just watching like cheating YouTube videos. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think it does skew a little young. Uh, I think when you, you're young, all you care about is winning. And as you get older, morals actually start to come into it a little bit. And you're like... You just don't have time to cheat. <laughs> and you just start to understand that there are things called hollow victories, where mm-hmm. technically you won, but you don't feel like you really won. And uh, I don't think you really understand that until you start to get a little older. So. Well, not everyone... All anecdotal. Not everyone learns that lesson, I don't think. This is all anecdotal. It could be the average age of the cheater is 36. And yeah, who knows? We're, <laughs> we're completely delusional on it. So... Um, I don't know, man. Like, I I think it's something... I hate cheaters, first of all. I think I've said it on the show a ton of times. I hate people who cheat in online video games. I don't understand it. I can't. And I'm older. So I, I it, the, the Hall of Victory thing is a big deal for me. It's like, I don't really care. It's like, I wouldn't care if I won if I cheated. It means nothing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like this is something that kind of had needed to be done. Like, I like how Epic is going after the cheaters and just straight up suing them instead of saying, hey... <laughs> Don't do that anymore. And unfortunately, I think the fact that a 14-year-old got wrapped up in it, it stinks because they're 14. They're still pretty much kids. They don't really understand how the world works, and I get all that. But I also feel like something like this had to happen or everything Epic was doing probably wouldn't have ended up having the impact it should have. Mm. So it's almost like a necessary evil in a lot of ways. Meanwhile, I feel like Sam's over there, the Patriots fan, going, way to go, kid. (laughs) (laughs) Get that win. That's how you become a champion. Get that W. (laughs) Right now, Sam is so mad he doesn't have a mic. He's like, I can't even defend the Patriots. I just have to sit here switching video cameras. I'm not getting a single for the rest of the show. He's not going to run any more B-roll for the rest of the episode. That's it. He's done. <laughs> All right, let's go. Oh. Yeah, there it is. He put up the away screen. <laughs> awesome, Sam. That's funny. All right, we're gonna move on to the next topic. So, so first of all, I just want to say the Switch. I've said this before. It's been way more popular than I ever dreamed. Like I said, like two million by the end of the year. It's just destroyed that. Um, but I still, even though it's destroyed two million, I still can't believe how popular it is. Uh, like it's just gone so far beyond my expectations. It's incredible. And what happens when you have a platform as popular as Switch or as popular as the Wii was is developers and publishers, it's like a gold rush. Mm-hmm. It's like literally like the 49ers like moving from the East Coast out to California to try to find their... their and that's what happens. You get these 
little dinky publishers and developers suddenly trying to come onto your platform to try to make money off of it. And that is what's starting to happen with Switch. A lot of mobile games are starting to make their way onto the Switch. And again, the architecture of the Switch makes it easy and porting is mm -hmm. easy. Uh, there's that uh, MOBA that's coming to Switch that's a mobile MOBA. And I mean, it's good you're going to have a MOBA on MOBA. Switch at all. Yeah. That's two M's. Right. MOBA. <laughs> MOBA. Um, and we're starting to see a lot. And we've seen this with the Vita to a certain extent and a little bit with the PlayStation 4. But it's a rush on the Switch right now. And what happened this week is that there is a mobile game called Mujo, which is just another tile sliding, match three mm. slapping puzzle game that was on mobile. And on mobile, it's free to play with microtransactions. Mm. Just like all the others. Right. On Switch, it costs $10, and the microtransaction structure is exactly the mm. same as it is on mobile. Is this digital only, or is it... Uh... It's only on the eShop, yeah. Okay. So I was going to say, if it's a cartridge, the $10 cartridge fee seems to be a thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, this is digital but, uh... only. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder how that happens. Because Nintendo is... Nintendo wants a slice, basically. Well, I don't even know if it's that. I don't know if it's that Nintendo wants money from games like this. Because, I mean, I guess Nintendo would make a cut of microtransactions. I don't know how that works. I, I don't either, actually. That's that a way. good question for Pactor. Remember that for the next round of Pactor Factor. Um, I don't know if it's that. I just think Nintendo isn't has not been in this universe ever. Because you think back to the Wii. There were cell phones when the Wii was around. Mm -hmm. They were, I had like a Blackberry then. Yeah. I mean, if you think back to what the phones were like then, you had like yeah. a Palm Trio we're, we're and a, a year Blackberry. Out from, we're a year out from... Uh iPhone at that point. Yep. Everyone, and, I, I have my flip Nokia. Yep. And even, look, even before or the Razer flip phone. I think that's what I had. That was huge. I had a, yeah. a Razer, too. <laughs> yeah. So this is the last time Nintendo had a platform this popular, this successful. It was before this environment that we live in now of mm. free-to-play games driven by microtransactions. And in a lot of ways, a lot of mobile games are freemium games, meaning you can pay to win. Candy Crush, freemium. If you get stuck on a particular level, you can pay a dollar to get something that will smash the block that you need to smash so you can move on to the next mm -hmm. level. It's freemium stuff. And Nintendo has never dealt with this type of game, this type of environment on its platform. And I feel like it might just be a little bit of naivete where it's just like, oh, wait a minute. Like, but it's only 10. No, this game is free on mm -hmm. iOS and Android. They're charging 10 bucks, and they have not altered the, the revenue model for this game at all on your platform. And so... Like, I wonder if it's just... Are there other, other free-to-play things on the eShop? Mm, I don't know if there are, actually. Is that even possible? Like, is that maybe not there I don't, yet? I don't know. Uh, and then I wonder, like, okay, like, if you have to charge 10 bucks because of some kind of eShop, you know, weirdness, like, maybe give the players, like, 10 bucks worth of whatever the microtransaction stuff is or something like off the bat like just like you know you get like that's a, a good stuff, idea stuff like like you wouldn't get if you downloaded it free on a mobile platform that would make it a little more palatable i, I mean believe. it's still kind of still a little, yeah, a little like, shady yeah it's like one of those things like well you, you know a free-to-play game you kind of want to play it to see if you like it before you do anything monetarily with it right yeah 
Um, I don't know. I've blindly bought dumber things. <laughs> I'm just wondering. Any shop, so. I'm just wondering too if and look, I've read a look, lot just of don't interviews. Buy, don't just play. Just buy Golf Story and like call it a day. No, I get that. <laughs> but the problem is, is that there's a lot of people out there who maybe have never played mobile games, aren't familiar with this mm-hmm. stuff, who are going to get ripped off by games like this. And I think if you've watched or read interviews with Reggie and Nintendo Brass over the last couple of months, basically what they all say is. Their number one priority with Switch is to have as many games as possible. Mm-hmm. Because it, for the Wii U, even for the Wii to a certain extent, the big argument was there's not enough games for these systems. And GameCube, I mean, GameCube was kind of the, the beginning mm-hmm. of it all, or in, in 64 for that matter. And so I'm just wondering if Nintendo has got to this place where it's so concerned about having as many games available for its platform that it's starting to let... And look, the Nintendo seal of quality... Hasn't carried the same cachet it did for well, it never twenty meant, years. It never meant that. Yeah, it was entirely a, it was entirely a guarantee that it would work on the, on the system. system. That's right. all it, it meant. It broken, never meant the yeah. game was good. <laughs> well, when I was a kid, I saw that seal of quality, and it meant something to me, regardless of whether it actually. Yeah, but, yeah, but you were wrong. Like, well, yeah, I was saying. totally like, wrong. But there are people out there like that now, Matt, mm-hmm. though, that are young, and they're like, "Oh, Nintendo, they must be okay." And Nintendo wouldn't put it on its eShop if it weren't weren't okay to play or whatever. I mean, you would like to think that, like, you'd like, to, like, there's there even as someone who is not a huge Nintendo fan. I heard sort of that that idea that like Nintendo would curate their library a little better than Sony and Microsoft would. You know, like they would they would have a little more care as to the idea that even if the games aren't all Nintendo quality, they're at least, like, not in, you know, they're the same, same ballpark. Like, you feel like, like, Story of Black Tiger or whatever that w- was wouldn't make it onto the eShop, you yeah. know? Like, I mean, you would have thought it wouldn't make it on PSN either, right. but was, to some degree, you're kind of like, all right, well, Sony is going to Sony to some degree, but like, yeah. you would think that was something like that shovelware wouldn't make it onto, to, like, like, the Switch. But, like, this is a little interesting. I mean, it looks nice. I mean, I like the art design of it. it look, it has I've a little bit before, of a but... different twist on Match 3, but ultimately, they're all kind of the, they're all the same, same thing. Yeah. yeah. Same concepts. I've got my, I mean, I've got the, I've got a Ghostbusters one and a Star Trek one and a Marvel one, and it's like, how many do you need? I haven't played a Match 3 game in, like, three years. I just, I, I, we've been playing them for so long. Remember mm-hmm. how we used to have, like, battles of, uh, what was that game? The animal one that we used to play at G4? Oh, uh, like Zookeeper DS Zookeeper, or yeah. yeah. And we would have battles, yeah. like, in, in our area where we worked on X-Play between all of us. Yeah, I remember like battling wire, Morgan in that DS. all the time. Yeah. yeah. We could, yeah, just local wireless is all they had, but mm-hmm. we played the crap out of that. And then there was Puzzle Quest. I mean, I've just playing, been playing these games so long. That's why I always talk to Packer about it. I'm like, Pack, where have you been for the last 20 years, dude? <laughs> like, he loves Candy Crush. And I'm like, bro. Of course he loves we're... Candy Crush. He's old. Yeah, but <laughs> like, he wasn't Even old, by but... us. Yeah, like, but still, it's like, man, these games have been around for forever. It's really crazy that they're still so popular. I yeah, get, well, like, my I mean, mom Bejeweled. or whatever. Bejeweled um, is the, is you know, what I think of as the original. Is be- that, be- you know, that Flash version of Bejeweled. Yeah. Which I learned about from uh, Penny Arcade, of all places. Yeah. Like, I get why my mom plays it. She never played video games. The pack has been working in the industry for a long time. Yeah. I just find it funny that that's one of the big franchises. My mom's not big on those. She likes Peggle. Yeah. I can see that. That's definitely a parent game. Mm-hmm. So, do you think Nintendo, though, needs to tighten up? Um, I don't know. Or do you think this I mean, is just the way it is now? 
it's tempting to say this is just the way it is now, but it's like, because you know Reggie knows better. You know Reggie knows the deal, but that doesn't mean Reggie has any pull with the people making these decisions in Japan. Right. You know, like, yeah. Nintendo of America is kind of notoriously toothless yeah. um, when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you might have to just sit back and let the train go off the rails and fix it. Because you know, if they... Then it, or maybe maybe they'll have a better solution for this kind of thing once the full fully-fledged online system launches in presumably January. Because think about this, Matt. Th- say you're another developer or publisher who has a game very similar to this. Mm-hmm. That they're giving away for free on iOS and Android. Like, and they hey. see this, and they're like, what? We could charge $10 for that game now and get all the microtransactions? Mm-hmm. It could turn into just a flood of this crap hitting the eShop. And it's already hard enough to find stuff on the eShop, in my opinion, mm-hmm. particularly on the Switch with the interface that it has there. You could at least browse now. They've, they've, yeah. They've patched a couple things in, but for a while there, you, if it wasn't on the front page, you, you didn't, you weren't it getting it. Unless yeah. you searched it directly. There's no yep. way to kind of... Discovery. Just, there's no yeah, discovery. There's no discovery. Yeah, so I think it, look, it's, right now it's not a big issue. I just think this is kind of the first sign that maybe the checks and balances right. that Nintendo it's a, it's need to be. It's definitely a thing that makes you go, hmm. And like, it could be something that has a bigger impact on down the road. So hmm. it'll be interesting to see how Nintendo deals with it in conjunction with the fact that it wants as many games as possible on Switch. I mean, the indie games... Somebody should ask, Somebody should get Keeley to ask Reggie about this yeah. at the Game Awards. That's not happening. No. <laughs> not at the Game Awards, anyway. Maybe at E3 or something like that. Like, Game Awards is not the place for Keeley to ask tough no. questions. We'll have to crash the after parties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about We're that. We're here to talk about Mujo. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about... You know, Reggie won't even know what it is. <laughs> He's like, what? What's that? He's like, we have Animal Crossing. Yeah. What do you want? <laughs> we got Animal Crossing. You... Yeah, on mobile. Yeah, yeah, not on the Switch yet. So oh, I know a lot of people playing that. I have, you know what? I've not even downloaded it yet. Because I've read a couple of reviews, and I'm just like, it doesn't. I don't want to play it. No, me neither. But I know a lot of people playing it. Yeah, it's just a time waster. Yeah, I got enough of those. It's like I'd rather bust out Pokemon Go again instead of playing that. I think. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather play Fire Emblem Heroes. Oh yeah, it's uh, a better alternative. I think I think that is probably Nintendo's best mobile game so far. Yeah, uh, just because it feels like a a more legitimate distillation of what it feels like to play the ma- the real game. It's also kind of figured out the its whole download schedule with that right. game, and yeah. And there's a lot of events all the time, and they give you free heroes. Keep down you engaged. Off. Like it's it's cool. I don't actually play it that much, but like yeah, uh, I think they've done a good job on that. I just don't really play mobile games much at all. I have basically one I play at a time, and that rotates. Right now, I'm playing Transformers Earth Wars because of course I am. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think I don't. The only I think the only game I even have loaded on my phone right now. I have Plants vs Zombies, and I have Pokemon Go on my phone. You probably can't even delete Plants vs Zombies. Yeah, I don't think at this I, point I think, it's just burned just permanently into the into the flash drive in my phone. So, all right, let's move along. This is a topic we didn't do a show last week because I was preparing for the big Patreon drive stream, which was supposed to happen Friday. And even we, if we wanted to, we couldn't have done it because there was no internet. Yeah, there's no internet here. Um, and then it was still down on Saturday. I ended up doing the stream on Cyber Monday instead. But anyway, we didn't do a show. But there is a thing that we that I personally have been doing uh, around Thanksgiving time since way back in the GT game trailers days. And every Thanksgiving, uh, we hand out the Turkey Awards for video games. And uh, I got a couple messages on Twitter and a couple on the site where people are like, oh man, no turkey awards this year. We're doing them right now. So even though it's a week later, we're still going to do the turkey awards for 2017 because that's just something I feel like I cannot go a year without doing. So Matt and I both have two turkey awards for 2017. Matt, you're going to start. What is your first turkey award? I mean, for- it's pretty much the most obvious you could pick, which is 
EA. Yeah. I mean, originally it was Battlefront 2, and then, like you said, we could do anything, so I expanded it out to EA, because I think EA is just, in general, mishandling most things. Yeah. Especially, you know, the loot box. I mean, I'm not a giant, like, angry loot box person. I ignore them for the most part. But like, yeah, I'm pretty much that way. I think too. EA is letting them affect how the games play too much, and like, really, the better example is Need for Speed. I think because yeah. it's a single-player game, you have to grind to avoid buying loot boxes yeah. for, which is like, hey, like that. And it's not like it's, it's not getting like, a pass because nobody cares about right. The game. No one cares about Need for Speed. <laughs> it's like, and it's like, it's not like Shadow of War where. Yeah, you got to grind the, the kind of the final chapter to because uh, you, you know because you need better orcs or whatever, uh, and you can pay for better orcs that'll be better, but you can move faster through it. But it's like I enjoy that gameplay. I enjoy doing because like every attack on the fortress is a little different. You got to deal with other things, and it's, gonna, it's like some you know things can happen that wouldn't that didn't don't necessarily happen every time. Like there's a little more fluidity to it. Whereas like Need for Speed, you just basically have to redo the last two races over and over and over and over and over and over. It's like no, yeah. why, that's not yeah not cool yeah um and it's kind of it's it's part and parcel of the whole thing where like i really want to like a need for speed game again and i can't because they won't let me and it's just i don't i don't think that's ever going to stop and now i'm just now i just gotta hope that the crew too is good because i want an arcade kind of racing thingy and ea won't give it to me without weird kind of microtransactions or a bunch of bros on green screens i mean let's be honest if there's one turkey for 27 it's ea yeah i mean and i I let you pick the topics first. It would have been my top pick as well. Once mm-hmm. you picked it, I moved on to something else. I mean, there's really no denying that EA has just kind of completely spit the bit in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, very few of its games have released without any form of controversy whatsoever. Um, was there a Madden problem? Mm. Madden was pretty smooth. Yeah, I mean, Mad, but FIFA with FIFA its ultimate cr- yeah. team and all that stuff. I mean, there's been problems with almost every single major release from EA this year. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it Mass, is the Mass Effect. They, they yep, with the whole facial Mass animation, Effect. screwed up the franchise and all that stuff. I mean, literally every game EA has put out this year yeah. has had some kind of dust up or kerfuffle around it. Like it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It like, re- it's really not. I you know I gotta I do have to give some props to the the Bioware folks that are running uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic though, because that that thing's just chugging along yep. quietly, putting out content, putting out stuff, doing its thing like. You know, remember remembering that Kotor exists here yeah. and there. They did some nice events for that, and it's just like somewhere EA must not know they're there anymore. Yeah. They, they must they must have forgotten <laughs> that they can they have that over there to screw up too because it hasn't happened so far. It has really been a debacle of a year for EA, and the crazy part though really is that it hasn't really paid for it financially. No. Uh, over yet. the last week with the Battlefront Two stuff, its stock went down a little bit, but if you still look at year over year, oh, year over year, it's going to it's be still fine. way up. Like a battlefront up. seems to be basically free money one way or the other. Yeah. Um, my, I mean, and then of course all this stuff just makes me. You know, I really would like Anthem to be good. Yeah. And it makes you nervous though, doesn't? Makes it? you makes you like it's really disturbing that Anthem is in the hands. It's of one of people. my most anticipated games right now, and I'm very nervous about it because so, yeah. it fe- it seems it feels like EA doesn't learn lessons. Yeah. No, you're right, and and just like that's the thing about the Battlefront too. Even be before all the you know when the when the alpha went up and people didn't like how you know, you got like you know very very noticeable uh, you know upgrades through the through the, the, the loot boxes and like there was like oh we'll change to this and then like it was more complaints but they oh we'll change it to this and they're like oh we've turned a little it just it doesn't feel like EA's listening to the fans. It feels like EA's like going like well we didn't get away with that 
You know, nope. it, it well, like how can we, and instead of them saying, well, we won't do it again, they'll be like, how can we do it next time so they won't, they won't notice. notice it? Right. <laughs> it's like, that's not how you operate a business. Like it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a, like a, like a, like a customer, you know, like, you know, company relationship. It feels like, um, what can I get past my customers? Right. It, it, it feels like, it feels like we're like trying to like outwit each. It's, it's like a battle of wits. Yeah. Who wants know? to do that with an entertainment product? No. I just want, <laughs> I just want to enjoy it. I just want to blow X wings up. Right. <laughs> and not feel like I'm getting ripped yeah. off or you're trying to manipulate me. It's really crazy. EA's had a terrible, terrible year. I say it's all because Peter Moore left. Although he was there when some of this stuff. Yeah. Happened. It's, I mean, <laughs> maybe that's why he left. <laughs> He's like, I've had enough. I'm getting out of here. Bring back Bing Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> Bing will fix it. All right. So my first turkey for 2017 is influencers. So mm. game changer. Where do we want to start with this one? <laughs> so I think there's going to be a lot. I mean, of it should start with here video, with PewDiePie so because a lot of the stuff that has it. happened with influencers are things that were started with him and then it trickled down to everybody else. So he had his crazy scandal where he was using Fiverr. Paying people $5 to do crazy stuff and then mocking it and putting people from third world countries in his videos as jokes. That was terrible. Then we have T. Martin, who was running a gambling ring, a Counter-Strike Go Skins gambling website that well, he was sending. Well, he was promoting on his channel without telling anyone he owned it. That he owned it. Yeah, just basically saying, hey, there's this cool website. Go check it out and gamble on skins for Counter-Strike Go. 12 year old kid so we had t and, and look i also want to throw at least he wasn't cheating no <laughs> i'll get you for that i also want to throw into this turkey award the court system that let t martin off for that mm -hmm. with nothing i think the laws just aren't there for it yet i mean like, like, basically they, there must have, like lawyers must have looked at that case and be like what like you know, like it, it feels like one of those things where like the technology has outpaced the legal system you know yeah I mean? oh absolutely i mean that's happened with the internet already mm -hmm. for like 15 years now because they're using old laws for radio to right. moderate the internet which is just insane so you all he had to do basically was like go to florida for a month he just left the state for a while and he had a little bit of inconvenience, but he never was really got any kind of a sentence or probation. He had to pay no fines. He got to keep all the money that he made off of these kids gambling. That's crazy. It's insane, dude. So it's not just him. It's the court system mm -hmm. and the laws as well that earns a turkey award from me. And then the final one would be the influencers at EA's press conference this year, <laughs> which was a complete and total debacle that embarrassed our entire industry. So to me, this year, all the almost all the influencers spit the bit at one time or another, and so that is my first turkey for 2017. Mm, and EA comes back into the picture at the end. Yeah, somehow it all came full circle, <laughs> which ultimately means that EA is the official turkey of sifted for 2017. Let's let's get that straight. Yeah, I, I think they're they're in, they're at the head of the pack. Well, the, <laughs> the pack of turkeys. <laughs> Is a no. group of turkeys a herd? Is it a no. gaggle? No, I'm sure there's, there's a specific name for it. I, I know it is. Maybe a flock. Just, maybe it's just a flock. I don't know. Do turkeys count really as birds in that sense? Yeah, turkeys are birds. So it would be a flock of turkeys. I don't know. Or is a flock something that flies? Because turkeys, they fly. No. Actually, they do fly. But no, they do not fly in groups. Turkeys can't fly. Yeah, they can. No, they can't. Yeah. No. There's a whole WKRP episode about that. Really? They can't fly. 
I thought for sure they the could boss fly. of the station gives away turkeys at a big Thanksgiving event and throws them out of the back of a helicopter, and they just start hitting the ground like sacks <laughs> of wet cement, and like people are dodging exploding turkeys, and all. it's, it's, it's a famous, full, famous Thanksgiving special. We just came full circle again because WKRP in Cincinnati is where Pactor gets his catchphrase "Hello, babies" from. It is. Yes, I thought he got that from uh, the jerk. No. Steve Martin's the jerk. No, that's... It's so a profit doing, deal. So he's doing, a profit deal is from the jerk. Oh, okay. So so Hello Babies is from Johnny Fever? Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Wow. Yep. Funny how that put works. put that together. I always thought it was the jerk. <laughs> People still ask, like, just this week we had comments on YouTube. Why does he keep saying Hello Babies every time he starts the show? I'm so tired of, like, I don't type it out anymore. I'm like, <laughs> if you don't know, you're, you're never going to know. Baby, if you've ever wondered. Yeah. <laughs> that's Wondered why Pactor calls you babies. Yes, that's why. It's a catchphrase from a, a, an old 70s TV 45 show. 45-year-old <laughs> television show that was old to me watching it when I was You're eight. right. You're right. <laughs> My dad would watch it. I'm like, damn, this show looks old. Yep. <laughs> we watched something for the last day. But, but WKRP's Thanksgiving episode where... where uh, they throw the turkeys at him. It's all done through radio. Because a radio station. It's all done. You hear Les Nessman's report, and it's hilarious. It sounds it's like very it. funny. And so you can probably find it on YouTube for free. Oh yeah, it's, it's all on YouTube for sure. What's your second turkey for 2017, Matt? Second turkey is uh, this one. This one's a little more of a personal disappointment uh, uh, because I played enough of it to be more disappointed with it than I thought I was initially, and it is Agents of Mayhem. Gets a um, turkey award. Wow. Because. I think this game could have been great. Ah, okay. Um, and I've played probably 20 or 30 hours of it. Like, I come back to it periodically. Well, it must not be that terrible. It's not terrible. It's not. It's just, it's so bland and there's nothing there. It's just... It just seems so generic. Complete about lack it. of substance. It's like yeah. cotton candy. And it's yeah. like, this could have been a real... a real Like, they've got a great like line of characters here. They've got a great bunch of ideas and they just did nothing with it. Well, I also feel like, too, the pedigree of the studio, it's, yeah. it's shocking to me yeah. that this didn't have a soul. Yeah, absolutely. Not doesn't have a soul is exactly the way to put it. It's yeah. just, it's just, there's there's no there there. But you play it and all the pieces are there. Nope. And it's just less than the sum of its parts. It's like a video game, like, checklist. Yeah. And I just, <laughs> I just It checks all the boxes, but. Even, and it's like, it's, it's like a game out of time to some degree where, like, I was playing it at, there's a certain point where you realize how big the map is and it's nothing. Yeah, it's like the size of a regular city in like a normal MM. Like wow, map. it's like nothing. It's that's you, hard to believe. Like I thought it was going to be like, oh, this is the first part of like multiple parts. No, that's all you get. Wow, it's, it's very small Holy and like cow. certainly by modern standards. And like I'm not saying everything's got to be The Witcher Three or something yeah, in yeah. terms of map size, but like you've driven this whole city in the space of like you know the first four, five, or six missions. There's nothing there, and like. Especially for a, for a game where, like, you're expected to kind of grind these characters' levels up, like, a long time. Like, I'm, you know, these guys take a while to level up. You've got a ton, you've got 12 or 15 of them now that the DLCs are out. And, like, everybody's got to go up individually and got to pick every... And, like, there's a lot of cool stuff happening, but there's, like, there's no reason to do it. Like, there's no reason to put it... And, like, every time... I, sometimes I'll put it on and I'll just sort of play it to kind of, like, jump in and, and mess with it. And, like, I, 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 ironically enough, I feel like a Shadow of War-style, like kind of conquest defense idea would be great for this huh. like this would that would extend kind of the the existence of this and like they have a thing where like the bad guys take back locations you've liberated but it's like really kind of it's more like little like capture point things and like you just lose like a little bonus for a while and then you gotta they actually patched it recently because for a while every time you went back to the the space station 
you'd lose another point, and you could lose them all if you went back too often. And so you'd have to kind of start over on the map, and now they... So is it kind of like the gang territory thing in GTA? A little bit, but, like, yeah. not even that substantial, really. Oh, and, wow. But there's, like, things where, like, you know, you, you go and you do, like, kind of the, the Assassin's Creed sort of thing where you go away and wait for a certain amount of time, and they come back, and eventually you discover a little dungeon, you know, you know a little base you have to take out of whatever the hell they're in. I think they're called Legion... Uh, the bad guys. I call them Cobra. There's Cobra. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well and, be. Um, or Hydra. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And they, they, you go down to the base and like it's a kind of a randomized sort of set of rooms. And like each room you have a different thing you got to do. And you do like four or five of them. And then you get out and you get, you get a bunch of rewards. And everybody levels up. And it's cool. Like it's, it's like you can see that there's something there. But like they just didn't get there. They didn't take it far enough. And like it seems like it's, it's a shame that that didn't happen. That they didn't capitalize on this idea they had. Because I like it a lot. It's a shame that... I'm really worried that because they did that, we might lose volition. That's like, possible. Like it feels like this is this could be a problem on the level the that like killer. you could threaten them. Yeah, for uh, sure. And like I love what volition does, and I've loved what volition even before Saints Row. I like what they do. And it, it was a mistake for volition to make anything but another Saints Row game. Yeah. I hate to say it, and it was stupid of Deep Silver to let. At volition the, I mean, make at the very good. least, you call it Saints Row Agents of Mayhem. Exactly. Like, you have to trade yeah. on that, that recognizability. Did. Why do you spend all that time building that brand and then, and then walk away not from use it? it? It makes no sense no. whatsoever. And D, look, I can understand a studio saying, no, nah, we want to let that, but the publisher is the one who should be the, right. the person of reason that says, no, no, no. We've been doing this a long time, man. Why did you spend all these years building up Saints Row and you're just going to ditch it? Mm. And why would we publish a game that didn't have the Saints Row name on it? It makes no sense whatsoever. It was yeah. failure I, on both sides there. And I, you know, I understand, you know, the other, a lot of the other stuff we're picking here is, you know, you know there's monetary value involved. Like, you know, people yeah. are getting cheated out of gambling related money by the like T. Martin and these guys and... Or, and, you know, EA is trying to bilk us all for microtransactions. I mean, those are more serious kind of infractions, yeah. but, like... These guys just it, made a game that you that yeah. wasn't as good as you hoped it was right. going to be. Right, but every time I think about this game, it bothers me. Because and, it could end a studio yeah. that you admire. I yeah. totally get it. And, I, and that's, you know, among all the tragedies of 2017, this was a minor one, but it sticks in my head. No, well, so that's your it. pick. That's why you should pick it. All right, my last turkey for 2017, and this is maybe a little bit of a weird one, is game media distribution. So I've been dealing with YouTube for a while. I mean, for a long time, we were just putting Pactor Factor on YouTube, and that was pretty much it. Um, now that we were on Patreon, I have to deal with YouTube constantly and continually. And now I see where a lot of these people who have been working on YouTube all this time are coming from. Mm. Um, it's not that I didn't understand it before, uh, what their complaints were. I just didn't understand the depth of the frustration that you could have in working with YouTube. Um, now you get videos demonetized just based on the title, Matt. Wow. There, if there are certain words in the title, it will flag your video as for older audiences only. And not just, not like swear words, like words like fire. If you have like the word oh. fire in your video title, it will not let you monetize it. It'll say, <laughs> oh, this is not... This is not like uh, uh, advertiser friendly, mm, so wow. it's excluded from generating any revenue. Settle down, Beavis. Exactly. I mean, this is where the adpocalypse is coming from. It's, the adpocalypse is real, mm. I guess is what I'm saying. I'm starting to realize it now. And look, we make so much money, off, so little money off of YouTube. It's like, you know, people like watch Game Face and be like, oh, you, 
you need to break these up and put ads in front. I'm like, bro, we make like $5 per episode mm -hmm. off Game Face on YouTube. Like, it's not worth it. Like, it, it just doesn't add up for us to spend that much time doing something that's going to make like a dollar or $5. But, for, I, but I have dealt with it enough that I can see where these people who are doing big numbers could, and are trying to live off of YouTube revenue would be completely devastated and crushed by these policies. It's insane what YouTube is doing right now. Um, but I also want to talk more specifically about some video game publishers and game media distribution. Atlas mm -hmm. with Persona 5 and how it, it decided you can't stream Persona 5. And if you did, you, got, you could get YouTube strikes for putting up your archives mm -hmm. of your streams. Um, you could lose your account on Twitch if you tried to stream the game live. This, this policy is completely idiotic. And it ties right into my next point, which is Nintendo. Both Atlas with Persona 5 and Nintendo really have no clue how things work anymore. They really are complete. Like earlier, for instance, when we were talking about like the Mario serial, like uh, Sam, and it's my fault because I loaded the TriCaster with the trailer, but Sam ran a trailer for Super Mario Odyssey. What does that do? It in instantly means that we cannot monetize this episode of Game Face. And the only way that we can monetize it is if we go back in and edit the episode, a two and a half, three hour episode, and put like a black box over the footage of Mario, or go and chop the show up and put it up topic by topic. It's insane, dude. We are promoting Nintendo's products. We're promoting Atlas's products when we put up streams or gameplay of Persona. Persona 5 is like a hundred hour game. Do you really think an hour of gameplay is going to keep someone from buying it? Because they're like, oh, I watched an hour of a 100-hour game. I don't want to play it now. It's they Look, they're both Japanese companies. No surprise. They just don't quite get how things work. And they don't really understand the benefits that you can get from working with people who work on YouTube and on Twitch. And there's no excuse for that in 2017, Matt. There just isn't. Um, 2015, 2014... You're still an outlier there, but maybe there's some data there to maybe back. There's no data anymore. It's all gravy. It's all good if people are streaming your game or putting up gameplay of your game online. And these publishers have not figured this out yet. And look, like I said earlier, Sam ran the trailer for Super Mario Odyssey. I'm instantly pinging my brain up, can't monetize this episode. Mm -hmm. And that happens all the time. Like. You start thinking about, um, like, I'm getting ready, I'm, like, after we finish this, I'm going to record another episode of Ask Shane Anything. And I look at questions, and I'm like, if there's a Nintendo question, and I have a question about Microsoft, and I have to pick between the two of those that are going to go in the show, which one do you think I'm going to pick? If I think the, the quality of the question is equal, I'm going to put the question in the show about Microsoft. Because I know if I actually put up footage of Microsoft's games in the episode, I'm not going to have to go back later and, like, re-edit the show to put it on YouTube, because otherwise we're not going to make any money off of it. It is so short-sighted, and they're not realizing the implications for creators like us. That now, when we get to a place where like, oh, well, can't put any Nintendo footage in this if I want to make any money off of it, it affects how you create content, and it deters you from using their games in your content. It is so short-sighted, it is so dumb. For 2017, it actually boggles my mind. I feel like I'm dealing with Viacom again, back when I was at GT, mm. and they're like, you can't do anything on YouTube. like. I feel like I'm living kind of in that technological stone age again, dealing with Atlas and Nintendo. And let's be fair, 
Atlas is not as bad as Nintendo mm -hmm. because Nintendo actually, if you sign an agreement with Nintendo, <coughs> they'll take half your money and you'll get a little bit. Mm. Like at least if you slot, Atlas isn't trying to take your money; they're just trying to shut you down. So, and only for that game for some reason. Right, and only for that game. Nintendo is just all of it. Mm -hmm. Anything Nintendo makes, publishes, develops, all of it's off off the table. And they have ninjas out there that actually sit there and watch stuff. So even if they don't get the automatic, because what we've had happen is we put Game Face up, it goes through YouTube's channels, there are no copyright strikes. So they're like, oh good, wow, we're okay with this episode. It goes up for our patrons, and then you go back four days later to put it up for everybody else on YouTube, and you go back and look at the original video, and suddenly there's a bunch of strikes on it because some Nintendo ninja sat and watched the episode and waited for like five frames of a Nintendo game to be shown in the show. Mm -hmm. And... You know, YouTube says all oh, fair use. You can you can't fight fair use, dude. Every time I fight fair use, I side with the publisher every time. Like we can literally sit there and have footage of Nintendo of, of Mario twirling his hat, and we could say he's twirling that hat too slow, which is hundred percent fair use. That's exactly what fair use is, and they're still gonna side with Nintendo. So hey Atlas, hey Nintendo, hey YouTube sir to a certain extent. It's 2017. Wake up. Look at the way the media is changing. The industry is changing. The problem we have with Nintendo is right now it's swimming in money. So it, it, it instantly thinks mm -hmm. everything it's doing is right. And uh, so, yeah, that actually might be my number one turkey. It certainly got me more angry than talking about T-Martin because it affects my bottom line. Right. And, and the, the revenue that we can generate. And in all honesty, it affects the quality of our content. Like, not being able to show Nintendo games when we talk about them, that sucks. People who watch Game Face want to see the games. I mean, we're beautiful and all, and they love seeing us, but... <laughs> I mean, they want to see the games. And that's something that sets Game Face apart from all other podcasts, is we run B-roll, we play games live on the show. It's something that makes us different, and mm -hmm. Nintendo does its best to try to take that unique selling proposition away from us, and it just, it pisses me off. And it doesn't just piss me off. I'm sure all those Nintendo YouTube channels are sick of Nintendo taking half of their money, too. So... Yeah, my second turkey for 2017 is just game media distribution in general. It's so whacked out and weird, and it's like the Wild West. We shouldn't be at this place in 2017. So, We were at that place in 2012. Right. It hasn't gotten any better. It hasn't. Yep. So there you go. Turkey for 2017. You guys didn't think you were going to get them, and you did. And now it's time for our last topic of this week's show. And this, this topic is called Fantasy... Or reality. And I wish I had like a uh, little sound effect we could play of like a chime. Hmm. Maybe this little music box here makes a sound. I don't think it does. No. Wouldn't think. <laughs> it's completely uh, dead now. That, yeah. <laughs> Time to replace the batteries on this. I don't use this as much now that we don't sit at the table, I would add. Hmm. Anyway, this is called fantasy or reality. And essentially what I do is I present a scenario to Matt. And then he tells me whether he thinks it's fantasy or reality. And we have one, two, three, four, five, six, I believe seven different things here. And I think this is going to be really fun. So are you ready? Okay. You did look at these a little bit, right? Yeah, but I didn't know what I was looking at. Okay. Fantasy or reality, Matt? We'll get a brand new Smash Brothers game next year for Switch. Fantasy. Fantasy. I think we're getting an updated version of the Wii U version. You think they're just going to port the Wii U version? I think they'll I think they'll port it and they'll and include, add a couple include all the DLC and they'll add some characters. How do you feel about that if Nintendo does that? I, I mean, it didn't hurt Mario Kart Eight. Yeah, Mario Kart Eight was fun. <laughs> I I don't really care. I, it I've, still sold again like four million copies or whatever. I've kind of fallen out of the Smash Brothers thing, so 
I've never been a big fan of Smash Brothers, to be perfectly honest. It's never like, been my I thing. I like Melee a lot, but... Um... Why do you, so why do you like Melee but not the others? Because to me, that's what I don't like is they're all the freaking same. Um, Brawl added a bunch of weird things uh, that I like. I really liked Brawl early on, and the more I played it, the more I realized there were like a lot of strange elements that made it less fun to play. And uh, like the tripping, the, tr- the yeah, random yeah, tripping yeah. was very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the new one, I don't know. I just never, it, I just never got into it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have anything specific against it. Uh, and in fact, I should like it more than I do because Shulk's in it, and I like uh, Xenoblade and all yeah. that. Well, I mean, the character um, selection typically is pretty awesome. Yeah, but that's I the just, only reason I ever played it. This wasn't. <laughs> much, there's not much there for me. I'm not into the kind of the tournament scene thing. I don't watch the tournaments, so it's just not a thing I would spend time on. I uh, have not. I didn't even really like the first Smash Brothers. I bought it because I felt like I had to. I was running like a Nintendo and Dreamcast. I have the, uh, I have the Japanese version. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I imported All-Star Dairanto Smash Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about the name in Japan. Um, and uh, played that. And I, I still have the cartridge all sh- shaved off on the side. So you so fit in your US, the US N64. N64. Um, so I was a big fan of the first two. and uh, I've never liked it. I liked, I liked the, the Wii one, Brawl. I liked Brawl, but I just... At some point, I lost the thread on Brawl. And the, the Wii U one just didn't bring me back into the fold. And I don't know if that's ever going to happen again. Like, the novelty sort of wore off, and the people I used to play it with all live elsewhere now, so... And I don't feel like the online works well enough to to be a substitute. Because, I mean, this game is the best when you're with a bunch of people screaming at each other because somebody, right. somebody used the, the item that everybody hates and that kind of thing. I understand why people like it, and I don't begrudge anyone for yeah. loving Smash Brothers. It's just not, it's just not my thing. But I, just think, I think they're just going to... I feel like not enough people played this one anyway. So, you've, you know, it's like Mario Kart. Like if That's you, a good point. You, you port it over, add some new content to make the, the old fans happy, you get tons of people with a Switch that never owned never the Wii Never played the Wii U version, yeah. So, it makes sense. I Do you think. think this is another sort of side effect of what I was saying earlier about Nintendo being completely obsessed with just having as many games as possible on Switch. Yeah, although I think of, of this one makes a lot of sense to do Do you that. think we'll get a unique Smash Brothers for Switch ever? Um, depends how long they stick with the Switch. I could see one coming out at kind of the tail end of its life. Yeah. But I don't know, I mean, or, or you know, maybe they'll just continually, select, you know, incrementally upgrade the Switch hardware and backwards compatibility will be a thing. I could see them launch... Maybe launch a new Switch permutation with this in a few years, with a with a new Smash Brothers in a few years, but one that would still work on the existing Switch. Gotcha. All right, let's kind go like, to the next. The, one. The, you know, the Breath of the Wild style thing. Okay, fantasy or reality? Death Stranding will be released before the PlayStation Five is released. Mm, fantasy. So rumors are we're gonna we're gonna see it here soon. Yeah, at, I, I, ooh, I wonder where. Yeah, definitely at the Game Awards. Uh, Him and Keeley can have a little hoedown on the stage. I don't know, man. I, I just, I think we're, I mean, we, you can see game a gameplay segment as much as you want, but I think we're a long way out from this thing existing in a retail box. Yeah. Uh, and PlayStation 5, I don't think PlayStation, you know, I, I know there was like, you know, was it Eve was saying like maybe 20, 2020? Yeah. Or 2021. 2021. I mean, that 2020, 2021 feels pretty good for a prediction of Death Stranding's release date to me. This also goes back to a question someone asked, a really good question on Pactor Factor recently about publishers intentionally releasing games at the end of one generation so they can release it for both. 
mm-hmm. so they can put out a game at the end for the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 5 at the same time. I can see that. But you think that's what's going to happen? You think this is going to be like a PS5 launch game? Yeah. Unless, like, Kojima's endless delays were actually a result of something Konami was doing. Which I highly doubt. I doubt, yeah. I I think this game's half a decade in the making or more. Here's one thing I would say, though, is that it's not Konami anymore. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling that Konami was very lenient with Mr. Kojima. Because it essentially was... He was their moneymaker. But when you're dealing with Sony now, the demands are a little different. Unless you're Team Eco. Yeah, that's a good point. And it is it's Sony Japan. That is a good point, actually. I don't I don't trust them to, to push him on this. I, I will think. say one thing, though. It seems they, like... They just want him in their house. Yeah. I would say this, though. Most of the dealings with Kojima have not been with Sony Japan. Mm-hmm. It has been with PlayStation Europe and PlayStation America. And expectations around these parts are not what we're used to with Kojima's right. development cycle. But all the same, I think they want that Kojima feather in their hat. Yeah. And uh, maybe if this one doesn't, you know, he, he takes seven years to make this, and this, you know, it doesn't perform, you know, the way the way they want it to to pay out. Maybe the next one, he's like, he gets a deadline. But I feel like they're not going to mess with him. On this one. I, I honestly th- I think Death Stranding will come out before PlayStation 5. I think it'll be one of the last big games for PlayStation 4, but I also believe that you will absolutely get a PlayStation 5 version yeah. if it is a thing where it is where a PlayStation 5 version is even a thing. Mm-hmm. Because the way at, hardware is being upgraded at, now, is there even best, is there even a PlayStation 5 anymore? Right. Well, look, at best, I think you're talking about six months from PlayStation 5. Maybe. It'll, maybe it'll beat PlayStation 5 to the market, but I bet they'll come out in the same year. Okay. So, yeah, it comes out for PS4 in March, and then comes and then, out yeah, PS5 come, yeah, in PS5, the fall. PS5, it's or a whatever. launch definitive edition. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. All right, let's move on to the next one. This one might be a little easier. <laughs> Fantasy or reality? The Switch will outsell all of their consoles in November and December. Hmm. I think, well, I think that's probably reality. You think? I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how well the PlayStation Four is selling. It's selling well. Yeah. It had a, it it's had selling, a better Black well, Friday like, than last year. I just feel like there's going to be a spike from Mario, and you know, people kind of waiting to see. Oh, well, that's a Switch thing, you know, because a lot, a lot of non-hardcore gamers I know have started being, oh, what's this Switch? Did I get the Switch thing? And that usually means that it's permeating beyond the usual uh, audience and i don't know if playstation 4 has anything going for it right now that can do that so i would i wouldn't wouldn't surprise me to see the, the switch out sell everything else i just um i think my the big concern to me is how many units nintendo can right. get into the channels because that is not a problem for sony or microsoft right they have more stock than they'll ever be able to sell at a certain point I mean, I was, that's why i was really surprised to hear there were switches in stores today oh yeah i mean it's december 1st I have a feeling those seven switches will probably be gone by the end of day today. I don't know about that. And I think they've the late had, they've had stock pretty regularly for yeah. the last few weeks. I just think demand right now is just through the roof. And yeah, but they, they, the product is there. Like I, I, you see it at Target too. I mean, they're getting them in the stores. I, th- I think they, they figured out whatever that issue was. Well, the the issue was, are we making them fast enough right. to satisfy yeah, demand? Clearly they are. But yeah. that was when demand wasn't what it is right now, which is the holiday season. So I still think that 
as you get closer to Christmas, you're not going to be able to find a Switch in most stores. But I know, I don't know. but like, I know that you're always going to be able to find a PlayStation 4 mm -hmm. and an Xbox One, and probably an Xbox One X. In all honesty, yeah, I just don't think they're interchangeable in that regard. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't see you, you don't buy a PlayStation 4 instead. You try to you try to get a Switch later. And remember, Nintendo does have a history of getting last minute shipments to stores. It's true. Uh, it's certainly, I, I wanted to... Last-minute games in stores. Remember Diddy yeah. Kong Racing? Oh, yeah. It was released at Christmas without any ever being announced. Well, I wanted an N64 <laughs> for, you know, the, the year it came out. Because that came out in, like, August or September, 96. Yeah. But I wanted it for Christmas. I already had a couple games. I'd already bought Shadows of the Empire. I think it was and, September... Yeah, September was 29th like, or something, was Yeah, it? it was some weird yeah. early-ish day. Early-ish time in the year. And because uh, you expect them to be, like, more, like... Later. Know, November. Yeah. October, November. And, um... I had like I had Killer Instinct Gold and Shadows of the Empire already, and I wanted it for Christmas, and they just didn't exist. They were not in stores, and uh, so I was like, you know, I was trying to find. I mean, earlier on, I was trying to find one just to buy, just to have one, and finally I put on my Christmas list. I'm like, okay, I'll get this, and like my mom's like couldn't find it, and then like finally, and then like Christmas morning, uh, I opened one of the, one of my presents, and there it is, and I'm like, what? How? She's like, I went to Toys. Matt, were you the N64 kid? No. <laughs> Cause I you was, know, I'm talking about that kid that freaks oh, out. Yeah. When he opens but I was, but I was 20. When oh, that okay. Happened, so no, that was not me. Um, but That's she, great. but she had gone to because uh, we do. We used to do a thing where uh, we would go to this. Uh, there's a there's a church over in uh, down in uh, East Palo Alto where we would go and we'd get like a list of the 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 poor families that they needed stuff for Christmas. Mm -hmm. You know, they needed, and we they'd give us a list of all the they list all the things they needed, and we'd go get them. And give them over. And so my mom was at, at Toys R Us on Christmas Eve, getting like last minute stuff for that list to bring over to the to the church. And they had them, like they'd gotten them that afternoon. They oh, had wow. they'd gotten a shipment of N64. She's like, are those for sale? And they're like, yes, they are. So she got one, and that was what. I, and so like she got it like twelve hours before wow. I opened it, basically. Wow. It was, it, so it was like a last minute Christmas. Uh, Surprise, but like Nintendo does get these things out there to the last second through distribution. So I will say, if everything had equal stock, I would say yeah, the Switch would outsell the PlayStation Four, November mm -hmm. December. I just don't think that's the case, and so I stock is a big question. But I think Nintendo. I just from you know, I go to the stores and look at stuff and the Amiibos pretty often. I'm, I'm a you know I'm a I'm a store hunter to some degree. Yeah, yeah. And there is there is noticeably more Nintendo product on the shelves just in general right now, even after Black Friday. And I th I think they are at, if they, if they, they don't sorted. if they didn't totally sort it, they are doing way better. Like they're they are getting the job done to a greater degree than they were when the Switch launched. That's for sure. Okay, so you're gonna say reality. I'm gonna say they can. I think they can. I mean, I agree that it's only if they have the product there to sell. But I think if the product's there, it will happen. I'm going to say fantasy on that one. I, I think PlayStation 4 will outsell Switch in November and December, only because of its stock. I just, I do hear you. I mean, look, they've, mm -hmm. it's done a better job, period, over the last six months. Like, I've walked into stores for six months and seen the Switch on shelves, and you've mm -hmm. sent me photos of the Switch on store shelves. So um, I hear you. It is doing a much better job with mm -hmm. stock. I still just think... One thing that, I will say... I think it's going to sell out. They're all the ones I've seen uh, you know, at Best Buy and Target in the last like week or so, they're all gray. Are they? The, the neon ones go fast. Interesting. They still go fast. I'm glad I have a gray one. Although, who knows? I'm going to have to send my Switch in here. Like, yeah, once I finish yeah. Xenoblade, I'm going to send it in, but I don't know. I think yeah, they'll should, probably send back You should probably get a working one. one before the warranty runs out. Yeah, because it is coming up here soon, so. 
All right, the next one. Fantasy or reality? This one's kind of a, a bad question, I think. Will <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> I don't least, know. What at I'm least thinking. I'm self-deprecating. I can admit <laughs> when I screw up. I think I, I, I wrote a bad question here. Fantasy or reality? We'll see Cyberpunk 2077 in 2018. <laughs> See? You don't have to laugh at me after I already laughed at myself, man. Man, if we see that before Death Stranding, I'll be impressed. Wow, really? I think that game's a long way out. I guess CD Projekt maybe, Red made enough money. Maybe we'll see gameplay from it but in ne- 2018. Next year? Yeah. Maybe that should have been the better question. But like, <laughs> Will we see gameplay? Of- I don't know. I, I mean, I'd flip a coin on that, too. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I think they're going to be pushing Gwent still at E3 next year. <laughs> I just think they won't go, probably. I go. I always go. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, they'll be at the bar, like, down the street after know, they, the show they've got, a, they've got a regular booth. They'll be there with Gwent. And they'll probably have... I mean, they might get a trailer or something. Yeah. We'll see something. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a trailer for this game in the next two weeks. Mm, from, like, PSX and all that or, stuff? Or the Game Awards. That would be a good coup for Keeley. For sure. But uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, CD Projekt Red runs in their own their own time timetable. So we'll both say fantasy on that one. Yeah. Poor poor job, Shane. Uh, the next one. Fantasy or reality? Loot boxes will be classified as gambling before the end of 2018. Fantasy. Fantasy. Like in the America in the U.S. Yeah. Fantasy. Fantasy. Yeah. So I'm sure you saw Belgium already passed that it's yeah. And there's other countries that are investigating it. And then in the U.S. this week. Basically, I think it was a, a congressperson, I believe, said, get that sorted out so we don't have to sort it out. Yeah, well, that was from, they were from Hawaii. Hawaii has very strict gambling, like, uh, games of chance laws. Um, I don't know why that is, exactly. But Hawaii is very yeah. strict about that kind of thing, in the same way that Belgium is very strict. So uh-huh. the more strict, like, you know, the... the, the They're the, always going to be the first. The places with broader gambling laws uh, are willing to classify these things. But, like, in an, on a national level, like, you're never going to shift... You'd have to rewrite the law. And instead, I think it's going to be basically what that congressperson said is, like, you know, you know, to the, I mean, to the ESRB, I guess, would be where you'd be. The ESA. ESA would be the one you tell them, and they'd make the ESRB do something right. about it, I guess. Um, you know, do something before we do it for you is kind of, you know, I mean. Which the ESRB, industry has done a great job of in right. the past. I mean, that's why the ESRB exists. Right. For the, for the Because they're like, thing. hey, you got this Mortal Kombat game, clean right. it up before we clean it up. So at some point, the ESRB is going, you know, whoever calls the shots for the ESRB is going to have to be told, like, okay, this is going to become a survival situation because you do not want the government stepping into regulate game content. Yeah, for sure. Like nobody does. Um, so I, I, I don't. It will not be declared gambling uh, because I just don't see that happening. Uh, but I think you. He's also that that you know you shut Hearthstone down at that point. You shut uh, Magic the Gathering down. Mm-hmm. You shut Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon down. You know. The, tra- the card games. Um, I think uh, I think you're going to get even this even if even a whiff of credible threat like what that Hawaiian congressperson did uh, will spur the industry to protect itself. And what form will that take? I yeah, don't that's know. the question, right? What yeah. does the ESA do? I mean, I think you start with like you said, uh, you know, before when we initially talked about it, uh, labeling the game packages to say there are randomized mic randomized uh transactions in this game however you want I mean, they'll come up with some do you think they have to have the transparency to give the rates for everything like in china yes i think that would i think those are the two main things you have yeah. to 
label the game as containing. They'll come up with some game of chance cor- or corporate something. speak right. like term <laughs> for loot boxes that is not loot boxes. Right, right. And then they will. Um, then you you have to. Uh, you have to post the percentages. I think that I mean China has that, that really idea. solves kind of everything. Like yeah. why I don't understand why publishers look. Won't if do I, I mean it. even I even it. when I'm tempted by stuff, if you tell me I have a .07 chance to get the thing I want, I'm not going to pay you the three bucks. I yeah. guess it's not going to happen. Yeah, but that would fix pretty much all the problems with it. Yeah, I think that's then it's not chance anymore. If you know the odds. Well, still chance, but you know your chances. Right. It's not, the then game. it's not gambling. Right. Because that's the <laughs> it's still chance. It's just not gambling well, anymore. It's always gambling. You know the you know the the odds of roulette, but it's still gambling. You know you know the odds of drawing the next card that's going to give you that straight flush, but poker's still gambling. Like yeah. the, it's just the transparency that's there. It's like it's it's like you know it's like how in yeah because there are no rules about that in gambling. You just know it because you know the games are how they wor- work how they work. But it's well, like, no, the casino has to tell you. So if I'm sitting playing blackjack. Mm-hmm. The dealer has to tell me the odds. Right. In any game in there, well, if you ask the dealer for the odds on that specific play you're making, they have to tell you yeah, what but, the odds are. But it's still gambling. Well, yeah. I mean, when, when they tell you the odds, never tell me the odds, as Han Solo would but you say. Had, but you were kind of in, intimating that like, when you go in, like if you research, you know what the odds are, but otherwise you don't. But mm. in casinos, you don't have to do any research. You can just ask, and they're, they're required by law to tell you what the odds mm-hmm. are. So like, it's just... You know, I, I don't. And I don't think it's a matter of knowing the odds of whatever making it gambling or not gambling. I think it's a matter of the thing you're chasing is this one tier of whatever object, and if the tier you want is only going to come out of this loot box one out of every thousand times, you're not going to buy that loot box, right? Some people will. But Some people I will. won't. Some people buy a thousand loot boxes, <laughs> right. but like, look, we're not. We're, those people are already gone. Yeah, yeah. They are. <laughs> there's no helping them. The yeah. other thing about that is uh, it would prop, you know, it would prompt. Uh, I think if you have to do the loot box thing, it prompts the the publisher or the developer to have a tier of loot box. Maybe you pay a little bit more, but the percentage of getting that thing is more like forty percent. Right. Uh, and if you're willing, you know, at least you know what you're what you're getting, what you're paying for in a, in a in a larger sense, and it's not so much of a blind box transaction. They also do that on trading cards. If you look on the sides of like the, the boxes of trading card packs, they say like. One out of twelve contains the ultra rare. One out of you know one out of six contains the super rare or whatever. Um, it's very standard. Like the fact except that, in video games, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, because no one's no one, you know. I no don't think push it yet. I don't think anyone complained about that like to a like a legal degree with trading cards. It just became a thing where people wanted to know how many boxes they had to buy. Right. And they the companies decided to make it. Well, they were easy. just the companies decided to be consumer friendly. Right. Well, <laughs> to also, an extent. Well, anyway. also, also because that means if you know. Okay, so there's four chase cards for this series. I used, you know, I used to work in a store that sold these things, and I used to buy them myself back mm-hmm. in the early '90s. It's okay, so you have four hologram cards in the new Marvel Universe set. Uh, though, you know, well, how many do you need? Well, those have uh, it's one out of twelve. There's 24 packs per per box. The you know, you'll get two in a box, so everybody's got to buy two boxes, and then we'll trade and we'll the duplicates. Get, we'll all get them all, yeah. And um, so that sells more boxes. Yeah, that tells you how many. And no one's upset. No one, everyone knows what they're getting, and it's all kind of good for all sides. And uh, it makes them more money. It made upper deck more money that way, or whoever the hell was putting those cards. I mean, it was tops at that point. But yeah, um, it's it's real standard, and it's like. The fact, you know, the reason it hasn't happened in video games is because nobody made the publishers do it, and that's kind of where I come from with the whole thing about, or I said earlier about how there's so much sleaze going on, where it's yeah. like, it's like you shouldn't. Like, however, have to how be can told I? That. I know exactly. Just act like a decent human being, right? Even though you're a company. I mean, it's like it's like <laughs> it's, it's like this is a business transaction, right? So yeah. tell me what I'm buying, right? 
You know, yeah. even if there's a randomness element to it, tell me what I'm buying in the sense of seems fair,、like, right? <laughs> I don't think.、Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think they'll be deemed.、Uh, and I think that needs to happen with、year. like I think that needs to happen. I think in some countries it may all, though. I, oh, in China, it's it's the law. I think. I think. No, I mean, I think in some countries it will be literally called gam. They'll deem it gambling. Well, I mean, it already happened in like Belgium and、uh, and stuff like that. But like, I don't think this. It won't happen. It, it won't be a universal thing. And,、uh, and but I I think the percentages go a long way to alleviating some of the my complaints about that. It's like yeah, you know, like the Transformers Earth Wars thing. There's like crystals you can get,、um, both with money and through winning in in events. And like they're specific to characters, so it's like a character.、Uh, it's like it's like a, a, a bomb. Actually, there was the, the when I started playing, they had a swindle crystal because one of the characters' names is Swindle.、Mm-hmm. But I'm like the fact that you're selling me a randomized <laughs> crystal named Swindle is mm,、yeah. mm, mm. <laughs> that's funny.、Um, so like you can win them through the event thing, and I won a couple through the event, and I did not get Swindle out. I got other characters out of it. I'm just like okay, so I would really like to know the. And they're like, oh, you have a better chance than usual to get this character. I'm like, I'd like to know what chance yeah,、exactly. that is. Because that, that's where, that's where I go. And also, like this Destiny Two thing does not make me feel any better about that scenario. No, you're right. Because you're like, we don't know. You don't know. They can they... jimmy the numbers out、oh, of the、yeah. hood. You have no idea. So transparency is the key here. It is. It is. But we're both saying fantasy on that one. Yeah.、Uh, next, fantasy or reality? Fortnite will become more popular than PUBG in 2018. Fantasy. Fantasy. I don't see Fortnite hitting the 20 million player mark. No. Yeah. No. It's made up a lot of ground in a、it's、short time. It's done real well, yeah. But it's just I don't, I just don't see it.、I'll, also, because I think it's going to have a lot more competition next year. I think that genre is going to subgenre, whatever、it's、you want to call explode, it.、Yeah. It's going to, it's just going to keep building, building, building. But I think the question is, and why I think this is maybe a little more interesting a question in the first place is the resources that Epic has, because what we've essentially seen is Epic repurpose an engine that it made for something else. Into、mm-hmm. this variant, and well, what if anybody could do it, it'd be Epic, right? The engine master, right? And well, we're already starting to see like editorials written by publications that are saying, "Hey, you know what? I'm starting to like Fortnite more than I like PUBG."、Mm-hmm. Just really in the last like week and a half, have I seen in our admin articles where editors are finally coming out and saying, "You know what? I like Fortnite more than I like Player Unknown Battlegrounds."、Um, And this is only how long has Battle Royale been out now for Fortnite? Like three months, yeah, something like that. Yeah, three months, something like that. That's that's a pretty big shift in three months. One to just get the game out. Two to keep making steady improvements to it. And three to already start transforming some of these dyed-in-the-wool PUBG fans、mm-hmm. into bigger Fortnite fans. That's a lot to accomplish in a short period of time. Yeah, I just don't think. It, I mean, it's like how you, I don't think you can beat League of Legends. I don't think you can beat PUBG. It's, it's the original. It's got too much of a head start.、Uh, it's still hitting critical mass. It's still going to keep building. Well, it's also it's about to hit about、consoles. to hit Xbox. Yeah, that's、um, big and mobile. Yeah, so I, that not, to me is kind of the X factor. So no,、it. I don't. I don't think、uh, about this will. I don't think Fortnite will will overtake them. I think Fortnite will come will be up there. I mean, I, I mean, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I actually enjoy Fortnite's battle royale more than PUBG. I still never played PUBG. So yeah, I, I played Fortnite battle royale a fair amount. I just I, I it feels it's fun, it just it's more polished, it's tighter, it's more reliable.、Um, it's just not as I mean, I hate to say it, we I say this word all the time, janky. It's just not、mm-hmm. as janky as PUBG. I feel more confident in the code running underneath the hood while I'm playing that game aesthetically. I take either, but I mean, just in general, like the game I enjoy playing more is Fortnite. So, 
uh, it'll be interesting to watch this over the next year, but I think really the X factor though is the new platforms that uh, PUBG is coming to. It's coming to mm -hmm. Xbox One, coming to obviously it's going to be a big selling point for Xbox One X because they already said Xbox One X 60 frames a second, no doubt. They're trying to get to that on the regular base Xbox, who knows? Uh, but then it's coming out of mobile, and that's when you start to get that that whole plan taking effect of mm -hmm. no matter where you are, what platform you're playing on, you can't escape this IP. And I think that, to me, might be something that really helps kind of PUBG hold it off. So you're saying fantasy. Oh, man, I yeah, don't know. I don't, I'm really torn on this one. I don't, I don't think it can, it can close that gap, especially because... Like I like I think Fortnite is fun because it feels like kind of crazy and wacky and it's like kind of the more casual sort of approach to that mode. But like PUBG has a real com competitive element to it that like people there's no esports no organized esports around Fortnite yet. N no, and like and like the and there's the Twitch community around PUBG clearly takes it like very seriously in a way. Yeah. And it's like, like Fortnite to me feels like uh, it's like it's like the the version of of PUBG that like we can play because we don't have to like focus on it too hard we yeah. just jump in play a game i had fun I that's why i like it though <laughs> yeah but like i don't think that's why PUBG is popular no it's not like i don't Certainly think this not. is going to take people away from PUBG. i think PUBG is going to maintain its momentum all right you you've talked me into it i'm gonna go with fantasy on that one but i think that's a real i think it's going to be really interesting next year watching, well, i think i think that's watching some, these two games that's a, what are we calling call is it a subgenre is it a i guess mode like what is i don't know subgenre i um, guess I, th I think that's going to be real interesting to watch as the as you know, and as the other games like you mentioned start yeah, coming out as, as like the everyone starts to slowly kind of try to grab their piece of that pie, um, and, <laughs> and Blue Hole begins to panic. Yeah, like it's going to be interesting <laughs> to see what happens there. I have a feeling Blue Especially Hole is expanding PS4. big time. I want to see who get, who gets the the first like realistic looking version of that game on PS4. Yeah. Because if you can... You mean you, of that mode, that mode or the actual game? That, that mode. mode. Okay. Like, if, like if... if Like if... if Sony does it. If, or... you know, yeah, if Sony does or if like Ubisoft like whips up a quick Ghost Recon free to download thing, yeah. like that or, could be a big deal. Well, I guess Siege wouldn't work because those maps are real small. Might. But... Okay. This is the last one of Fantasy or Reality. Maybe I had too many of these. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, ask, 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 ask the, the audience. Ask the audience. Here's the last one. Fantasy or reality? Call of Duty will go back to Modern Warfare for next year's game. I think that's reality. I think that's probably reality. Obviously, that's set in stone already. It's, it's already happened. We just yeah. haven't seen the game. Yeah, I, I feel this like... This year it'll be Treyarch. Yeah. I, yeah, Treyarch this yeah, year. Yeah, I think... I feel like this year was an experiment, and they're going to go back to, to... What gives me pause, though, is that Treyarch was kind of the kings of the World War II Call of Duty shooter... Well, they made more of them, but they didn't make good ones. I don't know about that. They never topped Call of Duty 2. No, but World at War was pretty good. Eh. I mean, most people really liked it. Eh. It's really kind of the Call of Duty that set the franchise off on, like, blockbuster status. That was Modern Warfare. I don't know, man. I think World at War was World kind of the first step in that direction. World at War was after Modern Warfare. Was it? Yeah. Call of Duty 2, Call of Duty 3, Call of Duty 4, Call of Duty World at War. Oh, you're right. You're right. And Modern then, Warfare then they went to up. Black Ops after that. Right. You're right. That's right. Modern War because because they, they were already working on World at War when Modern Warfare blew up because Activision thought that Call of Duty should be World War Two and they only let Infinity Ward make uh, Modern Warfare because Call of Duty Two was a hit 
and uh, and then all of a sudden, Modern Warfare was the biggest thing ever, and, they, and everything Pac had to shift. Told this whole story again. Pac's episodes lately have been awesome. He tells a great story about that whole thing about how Infinity Ward came in there and Vince and all those guys. Mm-hmm. It, again, if you've been skipping Pactor Factory, you should be watching it. The episodes have been great. So you're saying. They're going back to. They're bringing it back to modern warfare. Yeah, I, I just feel like I feel like if if World War Two had been a giant hit, Activision would have made that shift going forward. Like maybe like not next year, but the year after would have gone to World War Two. And I bet they have that like kind of in the wings, ready to go if they need it. But like, I just I feel like you don't put that egg those two eggs in that basket like two years in a row. Like you got to change it up. Um, so I would think Treyarch's going to be making more of a kind of a Black Ops. Another thing. well, another Black Ops is what maybe. It would be. I mean, I don't know if it'll be Black Ops Four, but I'm sure. I think I would expect it to be in that same vein. Because I mean, Black Ops isn't necessarily just about a time period, right? But Black Ops have existed. Well, obviously, some of the time periods that they've covered haven't even happened yet. Mm-hmm. But Black Ops technically existed in all the periods it's touched on. Yeah, but the Black Ops did Black games... Ops exist in World War Two? Well, I mean, there was SAS. And yeah, I guess you're thing. right. I mean, there was secret stuff. Yeah. Um, but so they could still do a World War II that's called Black Ops. In theory, yeah. yeah. But, like, uh, I feel like... I mean, the thing that ties the Black Ops games together, other than, like, kind of the... On, there is an ongoing story, but it's more the tone. Kind of the, the, the tone of the the people doing the things under the under the cover of, of things that, you know, no one ever hears about in the history books kind of thing. You yeah. know, the secret history of military warfare in the latter half of the 20th century is sort of the, the black ops theme. And uh, I feel like we're going to go back to something closer to that. Maybe it won't be futury, but, you know, I, I feel it'll be more recent than World War II. I, I actually will disagree with you here. I think it's... Uh, I think they will continue on with the older... Hmm. Um, I, I, and again, I think a big part so, of do, it is... You mean World War II or even older? You think they might do a World War One? It's you think, possible. You think they might do a Civil War? Yeah. I don't know about... Civil War would be kind of awesome, actually. I feel like that's... Other than the loading gonna... musket thing. Right. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like that might be a... It might be the most a important perk would be reload that. speed. <laughs> like a Russian Revolution thing or yeah, something? Yeah, like I, I just don't think it's going to be modern again. I think when Activision made this shift, it has to call these shots very right. early on. And I think I just can't see Activision saying, "Okay, we'll test the waters with one of the fran- one of the studios, but not, but then stop." And unless Treyarch had an amazing idea for a futuristic Call of Duty, mm-hmm. then I could see it. But I think this is kind of like a trend. I think you're going to see Battlefield probably the next Battlefield will probably still be set in old older times. <laughs> Olden times. Olden times. What actually is olden times? Is that before like 1901? No, when, I, when, I, when someone <laughs> says olden times, I tend to think more like medieval. Okay, like way back. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're going that far. Okay. No, definitely not. So I think you'll see, I think Treyarch's next game will be an older setting. I think it'll either be, it'll either be, I think it'll be like a Vietnam era thing. Or... Black Ops. Two had yeah. some Vietnam stuff in it. Yeah, there was a lot of. That. I mean, there was like yeah. they were Cold War. Black Ops One and Two were very Cold War oriented. Mm-hmm. I think like a Vietnamy kind of thing, um, possibly inspired by the knowledge that the um, it's about the Korean War. The, uh, the that's the, relevant. The forgotten all of a sudden. Wars. Yeah, that, that could be. But like, I think I could see Vietnam having been a target from something planned several years ago because everybody knew Ken Burns was making that Vietnam series right. that came out this year. Yeah. Um, I've not watched that yet, by the it's way. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's, I've heard good yeah, things. And um, or it's like going to be some crazy like steampunk thing. Okay, 
I think it'll just be like an older war game. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I like your ideas. So I'm going to say fantasy. I think Call of Duty absolutely will stay back in an older age for the next one from Treyarch. So, so older age is in like pre, like World War II or earlier, you mean? or Yeah. 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 I'd be totally down with Vietnam or the Korean War or any of that mm-hmm. stuff. I think it would be really interesting. I feel like we're going Cold War conflict with this. Because that would just be another Black Ops, really. Yeah. I th- but I think, I think they'll, they'll... But those were the well. Black Ops games that yeah, sold the best. sold really well, right? <laughs> yeah. They sold like crazy. It's one of the games. That's why there's still like 40 million people or whatever playing Black Ops 2 mm-hmm. after all these years. So, all right. That's it for fantasy or reality. Fantasy and reality. In some cases, there was both, it seemed like. Uh, it's time for our trailer of the week. It's been a slow week for trailers, but I know there's a lot of fans out there of Stranger Things. Matt, have you watched season two of Stranger Things? Uh, yes. Do you like it? It's all right. Yeah. I thought it was really good, but not a, amazing like the no, first season. I didn't think either season was amazing. Here's the thing about Stranger Things. I think uh, they have an ama- they have one of the best casts assembled of the, of the century so mm-hmm. far. Uh, I like all I'll go, most of the characters. Like I really, I really want those characters to interact and be happy and see them do stuff. I think the plotting is is hopeless. Like they take forever. Like season two, every character had one major bit of growth they got, and it all happened after like they stalled for eight episodes. Like, yeah. it, it, just, it takes too long, and they feel it's like nothing happens. And um, I could go on and on about the how the pacing in this series is is not very well done. But still, at the end of, of that season, like the big like the payoff, the big payoff with all the characters together is like, hey, everyone's together, it's talking great. <laughs> yeah, you know, I love all those characters and all those actors do a great job with them. I just, I, I hope, I wish they'd give them more to work with. And well, today I really we like out, Stranger Things. <laughs> today we found out uh, season three is officially a go. Well, of course it is. So, of course, but today <laughs> that was never a question, though, right? Oh, it's always a question. Well, I guess. Uh, but uh, officially a go, season three coming. I, I love it. I like the first season way more than the second season. But the bottom line and what I was asking is there's lots of fans. A lot of people oh, yeah. at least like it and a lot of people watch it. And they're I'm really... I'm waiting for the Telltale series. Yeah, yeah. And there really hasn't been a good video representation of it. There was like kind of that one mobile game that came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but this game isn't even licensed as Stranger Things. But it is absolutely the closest thing I've seen to what looks like a decent Stranger Things video game. Uh, it's called Crossing Souls. And this is its cinematic trailer. Get those questions into chat. So I should also add that what gave this trailer a little bit of a bump for me is that I absolutely love the song mm-hmm. in in uh, in the trailer. It's uh, I think it's original though. I don't think it's like a licensed track. And that's another thing I loved about Stranger Things is whoever does the soundtrack for that show, it really knows their stuff as far as 80s music. Um, 
That seems to be the whole reason that one was it was his name Billy, the the the, the tough kid in the, yeah, in the yeah. car. It's the only reason he's in that season is so they can pad out the soundtrack with some with some hair metal. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, it's not even just hair metal. Like there's just so there's everything. It's like synth pop, and you have like Joy Division, just tons of really good stuff from like all genres in there. Uh, what is that job called? A music supervisor? Yeah. The guy who decides the songs that go in. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to have that job, by the way. But uh, I think they do a really good job with that in Stranger Things. I'd love the spending other people's money to build a playlist that millions of people have to listen to. Yeah, yeah. that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good gig. <laughs> I would love it. It would be. I think I'd be good at it too. But anyway, I uh, we're heading off on a tangent. So it's time for Q and A. As always, it helps a ton if you guys go at Sifted Games in the chat. Uh, that way we can pick out the questions from you guys just talking to each other. It makes it a lot easier. So, let's get to the questions. Holy cow, there's so many. Uh, wow. W. Matthew, have either Matt or Shane played any of The Legend of Heroes? Yeah, it's a JRPG series, but one of the most well-realized game worlds I've ever played. Yes, even better world building than Obsidian. Um, I have I, not. I have. Those are the Trails in the Sky. Right. Like yeah, I've not Steel. played one ever. Um, I've played Trails in the Sky, uh, and the and the one they released uh, on the PSP well, a long, long time ago. Uh, no, I really like them. Uh, they're long and involved and complex, and the whole oh boy, are they long. But um, I've never met someone who played one that didn't like it. They're, no, they're re they're really good for especially once you kind of get past the slow burn of the beginning of the early of the first Trails in the Sky uh, game. But like um, to me, they are the closest thing to Suikoden that exists today, and I love Suikoden and miss Suikoden. So to me, the Trails series. I mean, I, I know they're Legend of Heroes, but I call it the Trails series because I they're all. Imagine if Konami series. revived that franchise, by the way. Uh, they, I mean, they would. They wouldn't do it right. <laughs> well, of course yeah. they wouldn't, but. It would have a lot of built-in interest. Yeah, for sure. But it's still, they wouldn't do it right. So to the Trails games to me are what's you know the closest I can have to Suikoden now. And like, yeah, I, I love them a lot. I've, I haven't played any of the Trails of Cold Steel games yet because I haven't finished the Trails in the Sky games yet because <laughs> I don't have that kind of time. But mm -hmm. like I will get to it eventually. And I do. Uh, those are also some of the few like uh, JRPG or whatever releases uh, that when they come out on Steam, I buy them the day one at full price. Like I will always support. And they do a games. good job on those ports. The too, ports are right? great. The yeah. translations are great. Like they they have done a great job bringing these. What are very, really very. I mean, it's like Yakuza to me. It's like you're bringing these things out to this for this very small audience, and you're doing a great job, and you're still kind of committed to finishing these series and getting it out here if you can. You know, at all at all financial costs to you. I mean, it, it, they they risk the company a couple times on that, and I think uh, that deserves to be rewarded. So yeah, the Legend of Heroes slash Trails and the X. Uh, games really good if you like Suikoden or kind of those old like um, like I talk about this a lot but kind of the whole the way like old JRPGs are structured like novels and Final Fantasy 7 and Forward are structured like anime seasons yeah and the novel structure is way more appealing to me and Trails in the Sky gets that right um, tra the Trails game so yes I've played those and they're really good maybe someday I'll have some time um, Justin Horman it's sales season what's the best gaming deal you can remember ever getting Regardless of the time of year, have you ever gotten lucky at a Goodwill? Oh. Mm, no. <laughs> um, never got lucky at a Goodwill. Me either. Um, I, got a, uh, I got my copy of Ponder Dragoon Saga at half price because Toys R Us was blowing out the Saturn games the day that came out. 
and so it was, it was already half price because they wanted to clear out the Saturn game. So I got that for half retail, which is that game is worth like seven hundred dollars or something now. So that was a yeah. pretty good deal. I think the best deal I ever got was the first time I bought a humble bundle. Yeah, the humble bundles are always good. Deals. I mean, it's it's a law of diminishing returns with those because a lot of the games that you already got in a prior bundle will be in mm -hmm. another one. But like the first couple that I bought, it's like a bonanza. It's like I really got all these games for that mm -hmm. amount of money. Uh, but then once your library is kind of filled in, they're not as relevant anymore. Yeah, but. I keep I do still get the monthly though because there's usually twelve bucks worth of stuff in it. Yeah, and uh, just what was it? I think it was last month had uh, Shadow Tactics in it, which yeah. is still thirty bucks on yeah. Steam, and well, I hadn't gotten out. around. I hadn't gotten around. Yeah, it was only like not even a year old, yeah. and I hadn't gotten around to it yet. And I was like, it was on my list, my wish list. And boom, there it was. I'm like, oh, that's the right... And it's never been that low, even if you discount all the other games that came in the bundle, which there were a few other good ones in there. But um, it's never been 12 bucks on Steam, or I would have yeah. bought well, plus it. Plus you got others. You got other <laughs> yeah, games plus with you it. got other stuff. So yeah, those are actually are really good good deals. Um, then there were some... I mean, I can't remember specifics, but like when we first moved to LA, I remember Jason Chung and I used to... It was the end of the PS2 era. And Jason Chung and I used to drive around all, this, all the music. And I'm games. actually seeing him tomorrow. Yeah. We're going to see a band called Dag Nasty tomorrow. Nice. Yeah. I saw him yesterday. You saw Chung yesterday? Yeah. But, Chung uh, is an old editor at G4 that we used yeah. to work with. And, and Tech TV. And we, uh, and we used to go around all the music and game stores we could find here because we were new to LA. Oh, let's mm -hmm. go down Pico and see what's on this. And like we'd dig through their game selection and find like, you know, you'd find like brand new you know ps2 games on clearance for like 10 bucks yeah and like i got a whole lot of games i never opened i've got some deals at like garage sales here and there um but still i think ultimately if i look at what i got for my first like couple humble bundles it's really hard to beat what you get for the money you spend yeah and the old steam sales were like it's like what i can get the whole hitman series for five bucks yeah like, that's crazy uh, yeah there was some good deals are better now than they've ever been i yeah. mean that's probably the best way to put it like yeah. i mean just games being discounted like you could buy Call of Duty World War II yesterday for $35. Mm -hmm. Like, that just never happens until this year, really. Like, a lot yeah. of these big games get in discounted, like, right away. And some of the, I mean, I felt like I got away with some stuff back in, like, you know, back in the old days when they, like, Toys R Us used to buy the buy, the, buy two, get one no, free yeah, yeah. things. Like, yeah, that was, like, I remember that. And you'd kind of wait. You wouldn't buy stuff at launch because yeah, you knew yeah. that was coming. You'd, <laughs> you'd run in and try to get the, them before like, Metal Gear was gone and yeah, stuff, yeah. you know, get the good I stuff. Remember that. Yeah. R.I.P. Toys R Us. It's going away. Uh, O-Tabs. Did you see the negative reaction with, within the Easy Allies community after Brandon announced he was going to go on Colin Moriarty's podcast? Would you consider not collaborating with someone or a group if a vocal section of Sifted voiced their displeasure? Wow. One, no, I had no idea that was going on. I mean, I'm not really a part of the Easy Allies community, so right. I don't really know like all the stuff that's going on behind the scenes there. Um... If Colin were at, would ask me to go on his show, I would probably go, as long as it's games-related. I wouldn't go and talk politics or anything like that. Um, but I would probably talk games with him. Um, as for if, some, if like the community said, don't go, that's tough. Um, mm, yeah, I don't know, because here's the thing. <laughs> you're going to have people that say, don't go. But you're also going to have people that say, go. Because, like it or not, not all gamers are the same political, or agree with the same political ideologies. Um, it's why I just try to stay out of politics uh, on Sifted at all. Like, I just don't discuss it. Like, so, um, one of the only questions that I haven't answered from Ask Shane Anything was, 
what do you think of Donald Trump? It's literally one of the only questions that I got. And by the way, we need questions for asking anything. So go to Patreon. Apparently not that one. Yeah, not that one. <laughs> but go to Patreon and please ask me questions because I need questions for the next round. I'm actually shooting an episode right after this, but then I have no questions left. So go ask questions. But that was the only question I didn't answer because there's no winning when you answer those questions. There's just not. And when you run a business, you can't just cut off half of your potential customers. You just can't do it. So it's a shame that... So what you're saying is if you go, there will be trouble. Yes. And, and if I stay, stay, it will be double. Will be <laughs> and, uh, I mean, to me, Brandon going to talk about games with Colin, I don't see why Easy Allies fans would be bent out of shape over that. If they, if he's going there to talk politics, one, I don't know why he ever would. Well, no, he's, I think what happened there is basically Colin left to go do a political show, and that didn't work, so now he's trying to start a gaming thing I thought again. it did work. No. Not, for a while, but then... It, petered out so and wait he was on i understand he it, was on patreon right right as i understand but somewhere on june he started hiding the total oh it was going too low i guess oh. what i read i i haven't i haven't ever listened to his show i don't listen to any of any of his stuff i don't either not by because like our politics but because right. i just don't care yeah and um the uh and as i understand he's trying to start a gaming show again and so like that's what that would be what brendan would be doing but there's people that think he shouldn't be let back into the to the to the fold. You know? I don't agree with that at all. Here's the thing. That's that's what that's my read on the situation. Okay. In kind of my vague sort of browsing forums and stuff about it. Okay. Like, I, I'm not not an expert on what's happening in the nuance here. There's probably someone that knows more in the chat. Well, that's silly to just say because you left, you shouldn't be able to come back. That to me, that's silly. Um, if you don't like his perspective on games, don't watch. Um, and I think it's as simple as that. If, if you like how he looks at games and you, you glean some kind of value out of his conversations he has with others or any of his editorials that he does, it shouldn't matter that he left games and came back. Um, it's not like he trashed video games before he left to do his political thing. I did see a couple things from him on Twitter where he was kind of slagging on people who had remained in the games media. And I did not, that didn't sit okay with me. It felt like he was saying, oh, well, since I left, everything went to hell. And then he kind of intimated in that post, actually, like, well, maybe I need to come back and kind of save things. Which I think that's really lame that he would say something like that. But Rather the, delusional as well. And delusional. Uh, but the one thing I would say is, like, look, there are people out there who agree with him when he talks about games. And they whatever he says about games, it resonates with them and it helps them make better purchase decisions. And if that's the case... I don't begrudge anybody for continuing to listen to him. As for whether Brandon should go and talk to him, if he's talking games, yes. I mean, he should absolutely go if he wants to. Um, yeah, I mean, that's Brandon's... And I know you're on. You're kind of on shaky ground in terms of, you know, if you're being supported by Patreon or whatever because, you know, people decide they don't like what you did. The money's gone. Pull, them, pull the money and that's the end of it. But, like, yeah. you know, that's, that's... I would say at least don't pull your money until you hear the show that Brandon appeared on and see how Brandon handled it or whatever you want to do. You I know? mean, I also hate the idea that people would try to manipulate Brandon's free will with money by saying to him, like, if you go on there, I'm taking my money away from Patreon. Like, that, uh, that's not right. I mean, it's kind of the position that you put yourself is, in is, when you right, start though. using, it is their right. I said, I didn't say it wasn't their right. Yeah. I said, it's not right. There's a big difference. Hmm. 
No, there's there's a big difference between something there being is someone's a, there's right. There's a big difference, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you can say that that's right or wrong that someone would do that. Well, I mean, you're manipulating somebody essentially with money. Yeah, that's that's capitalism. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't have such a dire outlook on capitalism as you do, but I got a pretty positive outlook on capitalism. But that's what retail transaction. That's what that is. That's your if you're a patron of someone. You're saying, you know, that's what Patreon comes from. Patron, like I'm giving you money to do this thing I want you to do that I enjoy that you do, and now you're doing this thing I don't want you to do. But no, that's, but that's that not what this is. They're using their money to make him not do something that he wants to do, and there's a difference. Yeah, but that's the, that's the flip side of that coin. Yeah. Um, as for if people, if I said I'm going to go talk to Colin, and look, if Colin invites me on his show, I would accept the invitation to talk about games. I don't want to talk about politics with him or any other stuff he does. He talks about. But... I don't think this is for the politics show, okay. as I understand it. But I would go and talk games with him because he has an audience who doesn't even know Sifted exists. And so if people were to come to me and say, hey, Shane, like, I don't like that you're going to go do that. I would pull my money from Patreon if you were to do that. I would explain to them that it is an opportunity for Sifted to grow and for us to reach a new audience. Um, and that... Arguably, a lot of the people in his audience are hardcore gamers that you guys would get along with great when you talk about games. So um, I would certainly take it to heart if Sifted's patron said, hey, we don't want you to go there. I would think about it really hard. And if I decided I still wanted to do it, I would talk to you guys about it. I would explain to you why. And I would try to explain what the benefits would be to you for me going to do it. And that's probably what Brandon should do is say, hey, this is a whole other group of people that are not patrons, they could come and become our patrons and give us a lot more revenue to create greater content for all y'all, not just for one group of people. So I think, again, with Patreon, you're kind of putting your destiny in the hands of others to a certain extent. I mean, and that comes with the territory you know what you're signing up for. Um, but at the same time, you got to make smart decisions for your business. And uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't look at their Patreon a lot, but it seems like their Patreon's kind of plateaued. And look, they're making a ton of money, obviously, but it's kind of flattened out and they're not making more. And when you get to that point with any business, no matter what the revenue stream is, you have to start figuring out ways to increase revenue. And I think that's just maybe part of it. Or maybe he just thinks that Colin's interesting and he wants to talk games with him. Um, I would just hope people wouldn't be absolute with Brandon. Brandon is a good guy. I mean, I know you guys just know him online, but I know him personally and I know him very well. And Brandon is a good dude and he would not do anything to betray the trust of his patrons. I just know. I mean, I've known him kind of like a brother for like seven years. I mean, we worked every day hand in hand for seven years. So take it easy on the guy. I know some of you guys are patrons with them and with us. Um, cut him a little slack. He's trying to grow the business. And ultimately, if you're a patron of Easy Allies, it's going, he's, it's just gonna take, he's gonna take that money and make better content for you guys. So take it easy on the man. Okay, let's answer a couple more. Um, J. Reed Vic 7, based on how many people are content playing years old games and continuing to play them, how much sense does another generation of consoles anytime soon make, even if everything is supported? With this in mind, isn't Xbox One X positioned well, enhancing games you're already playing in many cases? Hmm. So he's basically saying, like, What's the point of a new generation of consoles if people are just happy playing games longer and playing older games? I mean, Why not just do the incremental steps like with Xbox One X and PS4 Pro? Right. Well, I mean, that's, that is kind of the question where it's, is, you know, are we moving basically to a more PC-style model? Pactor seems to think there are going to be generations still. 
Yeah. Whether that's true or not, who knows? I don't know. I mean, on one hand, he thinks that. On the other hand, he thinks they're going to start putting PlayStations into TVs. So, I don't, I, one one or the other yeah. at this point. Uh, I don't know. I, I, that's a valid question. Like, I, I, you know, when we talk about, like, the PlayStation 5, I wonder, like, what makes that the 5? I know. I don't think there's any need for PlayStation 5 or mm-hmm. Xbox 2 or whatever Microsoft wants to call it. We can just keep doing this. I'm totally fine with... Every, look, I just got a new iPhone. I had an iPhone 5 until yesterday. And I was totally cool with it. Like, until finally it got to the point where the OS wasn't running well on my 5, and it was slow, and the apps weren't running really well, because the apps had finally got to the point where they didn't want to support iPhone 5 anymore. They were requiring more processing power, mm-hmm. games. Finally, I upgraded to a new iPhone. And, like, I think that's totally fine for consoles. I should be able to pick. Like, I still have a base PS4. I still have a base Xbox One. I should be able to pick when I want to upgrade. Like, it just makes too much sense. And, like, with marketing and promotion, Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo can do the same thing that Apple and Samsung does. It's like, hey, here's, like, our our iPhone 6S. Hmm. And then when they want to say this is something, this is, like, our next paradigm shift, then they kind of give it a new title, like, iPhone X or whatever. Um and I, 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 have no, I have no reason to believe that it would not work with consoles much in the same way that it works with... Uh, and you're, you're also engendering trust with consumers because they know that they're going to be able to play all those old games. It's just yeah. backwards compatible, compatible right. And forever. I think that also, that's an advantage for the, for the console maker as well because, like, I know one of the re- You know, I've become disenchanted with a lot of Apple stuff in, as of late. And, like, you know, I'm like, oh, I wish I could switch to... You know, sometimes I've considered switching to Android, but I've got like 10 years of, of app investment on my Apple platform, so I just stick with it. You know, and that's going to become a factor. That'll become a factor over the years with these incremental upgrades of Xboxes and PS4 and PlayStations. Is like, you got enough games and they still work on the next thing you're going to buy. You're going to buy the thing that plays them. So you don't have to buy them all again. Um... Hell, I'm thrilled I can play Crimson Skies again. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would have no problem with the cell phone model being replicated in consoles for perpetuity. I'm totally fine with that. So, I think that answers your question. Uh, Don Lionheart, how were both your Thanksgivings? Matt? It was fine. Didn't do much. You stayed local? Yeah, I was mostly just taking things out of moving boxes. Yeah. Uh, I had a great Thanksgiving. Matt just moved into a new home, by the way. Mm -hmm. So, he's been going through that whole process over the last week. Uh, I had a great Thanksgiving for the most part. Uh, my wife went home for Thanksgiving. I stayed here. Uh, and I ended up going over to a buddy's house for Thanksgiving at the Houdini estate. Mm. So he had rented out Houdini's old estate and had a Thanksgiving dinner there. Um, and it was amazing walking around the grounds. And uh, it was a down-home Hollywood Thanksgiving. It was crazy, dude. Like, apparently, like, one of his coffins is still buried in the bank there <laughs> where he had tested, like, his coffin escapes and everything. Uh, but it was like it's not old. Like they have a pool there with a bar at the mm. pool. It was it was awesome. The only part that sucked was someone hit my car while I was there, which sucks. And I have to pay five hundred dollars to get that fixed. But then that night, like as I was preparing for the Black Friday stream, I had all the gear by the front door of my apartment, and I went to check and make sure the front door was locked before I went to bed. I locked it and turned around and literally just smashed my foot right into our mixing console. And I think I broke one of my toes. So my whole foot is like purple and blue and gray right now. Um, and there's nothing you can do for broken toes. So I'm just toughing it out. But I got a limp. So 
But otherwise, Thanksgiving was great. Had great food. Got to hang around with great people. It was nice to just have a day where I didn't have to worry about anything going on with the site or anything. And again, that's a big thanks to folks like uh, Vincent, who are doing a great job uh, curating and things like that. So it's made a big difference for me that I didn't have to work on a Thanksgiving for once. So yeah, it was a good Thanksgiving. Hmm. Uh, I saw somebody else ask about Game of the Year. So we have two more episodes left this year. Uh, next week, next Friday, uh, we'll probably be doing a big wrap-up of the Game Awards, which will have happened the night before. Uh, then the following week after that, we'll do our Game of the Year, and that'll be December 15th, and I think that'll be the last game face for the year. Um, I'll still be around for a few more days after that before I go home for the holidays, uh, so I will keep creating content uh, up until I leave. So even though that'll be the last game face, we'll still be kicking out content for you guys. So I think that's it, except, except for a word from our sponsor, and this is a big word from our sponsor because the day has finally come. Sam? There we go. Sifters, Extra Turns is finally live. It is live, party people. No, And this is the copy they gave me. No joke right now. And commission-free. Don't sell your games on eBay or Amazon for the holidays. There's a collector just like you wanting a better option without the 15% commission. And that option is Extra Turns. They're one, or they are 0% commission throughout the entire holiday season. So if you're trying to offload some of your collection, uh, trying to get some extra money for Christmas to buy stuff for other folks, it's a great option, and it is live right now. As I said, 0% commission throughout the entire holidays, period. Come find your gift, extraturns.com. And in the heart of Thanksgiving, I want to thank extraturns.com for being our first sponsor uh, it's been great that they sponsored us, um, and I hope the, the site launch goes great. It is live right now, so head on over there. I know I've got a lot of messages from people who went and tried to sign up, and they couldn't. The site is absolutely live, so head on over, show your support, let them know that Sifted sent you, uh, and we wish them the best of luck. Uh, the people who are, who are starting this site are Sifters, so uh, uh, they're all in the family, and we hope that the site does really, really well. So best of luck to you guys at ExtraTurns.com, and thanks again for your support. So... I think that's it. Mm-hmm. I think 111 is in the books. Uh, hope you guys have an excellent weekend. Thanks to everybody on the stream. Like I said, go over to our Patreon and submit questions for Ask Shane Anything <coughs> so we can crank out some of those episodes leading up to the holidays. Uh, two episodes left. When's the draft penalty show? Oh, that's a good point, actually. Maybe that's a good point. We could probably do that. Sam Sam leaves on like the 17th, I think. Mm. I'm leaving on like the 19th. We'll figure it out. We'll have a day where I come in. Yeah, so don't forget about that. I have to pay the penalty for losing the Sifted Fantasy League, which I'm not all that excited about. So that'll be coming up as well via live stream. Um, but yeah, the year is winding down. It's been a good one. Mm-hmm. And I just want to thank you guys for all your support throughout the year. Everyone on the live stream. Everybody have a great weekend. Game Face is up and out. <laughs> Thank you.